everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. I'm Thibs, and as always, I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Cassidy. Hello. And today, we are super excited to delve into a topic that we've been raving and ranting about uh, for a couple of weeks now, at least. Um, and that is Horizon Forbidden West, because this game released, I think, on February 18th, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, that's right. Uh, Cass was lucky enough to get access to a PlayStation and play it. I have been following it on walkthrough, so there's going to be a slight difference, which is why the two of us are going to discuss this game. But we, since we both, um, we both basically seen the main story play out. She's played it. I've watched walkthroughs, but that's pretty much it. But let's get let's get to it, Cass, because there's so much to talk about, and this game is just as amazing as its prequel. So let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. And I think what's so cool, too, is that it picks up literally, like, right after the events of the first game. It's, yeah, there's, like, about a six-month break between the first game and the second game, or the six-month time difference, really, not so much a break. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so cool to get to see these characters and get to kind of connect with them in the same way we did in the first game. And to know that not, like, you know, 30 years has passed in the interim. So um, (laughs) that was really nice. And then also, I think... The game just has a really compelling story and a really compelling protagonist. And it's so much fun to play as Aloy. And it's so much fun to like revisit this amazing world and get to see these new locations, um, encounter new machines, fight new enemies. And um, the world is still, you know, gorgeously animated and rendered. And so it was so much fun to to get a chance to play in this world again and go on this amazing, crazy journey with Aloy. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Because uh, let's talk about where we left Aloy off in Horizon Zero Dawn because while we while she did defeat Hades Gaia is still not complete there's still that task left uh, from the entire uh, because the biosphere is still dying which which means Gaia needs to be rebooted Um, and basically at this point the thing here is that there is uh, because Gaia has not been rebooted yet or she's still dying um, the people of this world or this biosphere are now experiencing something called the blight so let's talk about that because that's the whole that's the main premise of this game as we we've we saw it in the promo material and stuff so let's talk about that because there's more to it and we'll find out about that when the game when the game progresses but for now let's talk about the blight and what what the, what we're dealing with here yeah so after the events of the first game i mean like you said hades has been defeated but not destroyed and yes. so um he's still kind of or it however you want to refer to it is uh still out, out there, there existing and um the blight is like this new emerging sickness slash disease that's kind of ravaging the land and mm-hmm. it's not quite affecting people directly but you know it's impacting crops and resources and all of that yeah, so it's like exactly. people are starting to feel the effect of it so yes, um true. Aloy initially starts out trying to find a way to kind of cure the blight because this is like a huge issue for them really and if yeah. they don't fix it it's essentially going to mean the end extinction of... again like basically because right. if, if you don't have food or uh, or if the soil that you're growing your food in is rotten nothing grows you're going to starve and that means 
the end for you basically <laughs> so yeah uh, right. and the only way to do that is to reboot Gaia so you said there's a six-month gap from uh, from uh, Zero Dawn to Forbidden West and this is very well explained like because Aloy has been looking for a copy of Gaia to basically reboot her that's what she's been doing <laughs> these past six months and fortunately for her she's been running into dead ends and I and that's sad in and of itself but I also kind of I, I, I also it's bittersweet how this game starts because of what we see because of the dream that <laughs> Aloy has so let's talk about that because oh my god it's just what a way to start guys I mean come on <laughs> Yeah, no, that was like a really moving and emotional scene to watch because we see her um, describing this recurring dream that she has, yeah. which is meeting Elizabeth Sobek, who's um, yeah. really the closest thing to a mother that Aloy has known because yeah. Aloy, unfortunately, like we find out in the events of the first game, um, was not was born. She was made. Yeah, she was made so, in Liz's um, image, basically. Right, yeah. yeah. So Elizabeth Sobeck is kind of like the closest thing that she really has to a mother, and especially mm-hmm. in a society like the Nora, where Aloy grew up in a tribe that prioritizes matriarchs and, you know, mothers and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, it was a huge deal, and I think she always kind of longed for that sort of... Oh, she did relationship sure. with somebody um for a number of reasons but uh Liz is really like the only one that Aloy has and she's been dead for like a thousand years so um it, that like in itself is kind of moving but then seeing the stream where like they're they're meeting and they're hugging and yeah. then um Aloy describes feeling whole for like a brief yeah. moment but then yes. unfortunately when she wakes you know it's it's a dream and and she's always alone and so just the way they kind of um framed that and the way it was like it's just it hurts and all of that. It's, yeah, yeah it it's, hurts. it's very like it's bittersweet because it's nice to see her have like this really sweet moment with Liz even though we know it's a dream and it's never gonna happen but um yeah the ending when she wakes up and she describes being alone and all of that like that's like the sad part yeah for sure it is and basically that's where we meet her in this game right because that we meet her right in the middle of her search for a, for a copy of Gaia basically where she is so that she can reboot the biosphere and this is where we meet Marl so let's talk about that because oh my god Marl is a wholesome character we've known him in the first game and that, that it, I mean come on who doesn't love Marl let's talk about him I know he's so wholesome and yeah, yeah it was really nice to see a familiar face so early on in the game he's literally mm-hmm. like introduced or reintroduced within like the opening few minutes so yeah um, it was great to see him again but also I just love that um, for him this must be so new and different because for the Nora really leaving the sacred lands is kind of like taboo Taboo. almost yeah 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 it's not really done um except in a few rare cases and you know Aloy is probably the most recent one but in the last game at the end for the battle of the light um a lot of Nora well maybe not a lot but you know a few notable people at the least (laughs) um were made seekers so they could go to Meridian yeah exactly (laughs) correct right so um I'm sure this is all still new for Varl even though he's been um away from the sacred land presumably for like around six-ish months or so give or take 
but um I love that he's still kind of like he doesn't really seem phased by it he's just like yeah this is just like a regular Tuesday for me I gotta go find Aloy <laughs> Um, which but is let's talk I mean, about that it's what he does but he's also like dude why'd you run away from your own celebration <laughs> like <laughs> i mean i think that's kind of i don't want to say yeah. obvious but i feel like having as players no, having spent so much time with aloy i think we understand that oh, she's i not definitely really understand she's not the, yeah exactly you're absolutely right it's just I mean, you kind of laugh at it because, oh my God, these people are trying to honor her and she's like, I don't need this. I don't need this. And she just has to book it from there as quickly as she can because she can't deal with it. It's a, I mean, right. I think that's a side effect of, I think we've talked about this. I think it's a side effect of having been alone for so long and being mm-hmm. isolated for so long. So suddenly being showered with attention by people and having someone to even help her out is kind of jarring to her I guess that's what I think might be the case what do you yeah, think I think it's it's definitely something that she's not used to mm-hmm. I think for so long because she's been an outcast and because she's done most of the stuff she did for the first game she did largely by herself mm-hmm. um, I think she's just not used to relying on other people oh yeah um, or wanting to because it's mm-hmm. I think in some ways it's easier when you can rely on yourself because then you only have yourself to like you know to worry about you don't have to worry about other people who are essentially like other variables um and you know you don't have to worry about like their safety or Mm. you know their priorities and any of that when it's just one person when it's just you you can do whatever you want to like meet certain goals or deadlines or whatever and I think that's kind of how she's been that's Um, how she's operated so far basically yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. this game really kind of forces her to change Change that that. to a certain extent so that was really nice to see that over the course of the game even though she is probably more capable than everybody she meets um she still recognizes that like hey I don't have to shoulder this entire thing solely by myself like I I can rely on my friends and my allies Mm -hmm. because that's what they're there for that was a really nice kind of journey to see her go it's an interesting that yeah I definitely agree I do but let's talk about this because after running into dead end after dead end it's like really frustrating for Aloy but I also like seeing Val's perspective on getting a focus and seeing the world as Aloy does because that's like insane so let's talk about that too yeah I mean it's really cool that Aloy um she now at the start of of the second game has like a whole bunch of spare focuses um and she's just like she just gives Varl one and I love again that he has like no hesitation he just takes it and there is you know you know you do see him adjusting to it and I think he's still looking at things a particular way so like um, there's an early bit where they they find like a a promising lead that should take them to a copy of Gaia and unfortunately ends up being like a dead end again yeah he does see a version of Gaia like a decoy essentially Mm -hmm. but even in seeing that you know he's like kind of taken aback by it and he's like oh my god the goddess and so he's looking at it one way and Aloy's like there is no goddess and yeah. <laughs> she's kind of trying to show him you know the, the truth at least as far as or, what she knows or the practicality so, or whatever however you want to yeah, look at it yeah. I guess but I mean again I just love that Varl he's so wholesome but also he's he doesn't um ever kind of get upset at her for kind of you know I guess dismissing his 
beliefs or whatever Um, he's still like I mean I can't begin to imagine what you've seen but like for me this is how I can kind of make sense of this whole thing yeah so um I I really liked that he that's an interesting perspective like snap at her or anything yeah yeah that's Uh, a very interesting perspective you're absolutely right because it's like you know, it, it can be so jarring for someone like Varl who's been used to Nora culture and how they view all these things to suddenly look at Aloy who's like, no, that's not what this is. But I mean, sure, if that's what you want to think. It's kind of interesting to see how that plays out. And we'll get to see more of that, well, not just with Varl, but with other characters that we beat too. But what I did find interesting is that Varl brought up a very interesting lead when this lead that she had came to a dead end. Silence. So let's talk about that because that leads to somewhere super interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, unfortunate that they had to resort to finding silence as a lead, but unfortunately, this kind of change in tactic does serve as a catalyst for a lot of what's to come in the game. And so, yeah, they do decide... Um, they they do seek out silence and they decide they're going to get some information from him at the very least because maybe yeah. they can use him the way he's been using Aloy for yeah. like the entirety of the first game. For sure. But for unfortunately, sure. Um, Aloy has to kind of mop up more messes mm-hmm. because we find out that after the Battle of the Alight, the Spire in Meridian has not been the been same. Quiet. It's been acting up, acting yeah. weird. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, she kind of she kind of wanders into like another like like a mess not of her own making exactly but like one that she's kind of forced to clean because she's the only one with like the tools and the knowledge and the skill to really do anything deal with it it. exactly exactly yeah I think we we talked a lot about how much of a jerk silence was when we did the oh yeah when um, we were talking about zero dawn exactly yeah and I think this is like a really great moment when you can see that because we find out at this moment that Silence did not, he intentionally gave Aloy his spear, but with a like, almost like a defective kill switch that like neutralized yeah. Hades, but didn't eliminate him solely so that he could get Hades and like kind of pick Hades brain and like extract information from him. And all of this in the pursuit of knowledge, which again is like, that's a noble thing, but like you, you don't do that at the cost of like the world or other people or whatever. Exactly. But just like, you know, he's doing his own thing. He's got his own goals and his own um, motives. And it's like, for him, it's like knowledge is like the ultimate thing and and nothing, like nobody else is worth it. Nothing else is worth it. There's, you know, nothing, nothing is, is too much as long as he's learning something from it. And as long as he's gaining some sort of information. So um, part of the reason we, as, as characters or as players have to go to the Forbidden West is because Silence has kind of left this coded message for Aloy and has been like, well, yeah. it took you long enough to figure this out. But if you want more information, come meet me in the Forbidden West. I and know, which is so condescending. To, like, like, you know, F this dude, right? Like, <laughs> no, you are a piece of work, sir. No, <laughs> just no. Like, yeah, this, I mean, after everything, like that, you've used that's her every chance you got. You've literally used this <laughs> child every chance you got. And now you're condescending to her, like, dude, why? Why? Yeah, why would you condescend? Because, like, I mean, I think that's everything just who he is. that you, 
everything that you learned is because she opened those pathways for you. So shut up and right. stop condescending. I would literally just, it's just so annoying. I just can't put it to words. But you're absolutely right that it basically accelerates the plot or acts as a catalyst basically for her journey into the Forbidden West. So let's talk about that because I think the Forbidden West is beautiful. It's incredible, but let's talk about, um, let's talk about the journey that she takes into the Forbidden West because, um, why, because the spire, as we know, is in Meridian. It's in Meridian. She talks to Avad who tells her, who, who, who tells her upon learning about this, that there's an embassy, there's, uh, there's an embassy happening at Baron Light, which is the gateway from Karja territory to the Forbidden West. Uh, and that's where she has to go. So let's talk about that. And let's talk about how she deals with leaving Meridian. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the thing that like, from a, a game point of view, like as a player, I understand why, um, you know, certain things have been written the way they are. But I just find yeah. it so funny that like people just kind of come up to Aloy with these problems. And they're like, Oh, well, you're the anointed, you're the savior, like you can do this. And, yeah. and they just expect her to like, do things but yeah. um I mean it's it's still it's still a lot of fun to to play through and and, and like experience game even though if like even though the bulk of the game might just be Aloy just cleaning up other people's messes and like <laughs> dealing with their nonsense yeah but um yeah the the embassy is like this big meeting that happens I think annually between uh the Karja, Karja and the Tanakh yeah. which are the like um I guess the original people that were the, the locals of the Forbidden West, Forbidden West exactly and, um, exactly yeah, the, the Tanakh, they have, um, they, you know, captured people during the Red Raids, which was, you know, of course, a horrible time. Mm. Um, and so they usually exchange prisoners during the embassy and the Karja exchange resources because, you know, the Karja have traded extensively and they have better resources than yeah. um, probably the some of the people in the Forbidden West have, like, you know, what the Tanakh might consider exotic resources. So no, every, true very true to take place where they exchange like goods and 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 people and mm-hmm. um in order for Aloy to get to the Forbidden West this embassy has to happen and she has to see it through and then yeah. only then can she be granted safe passage through the Forbidden West but exactly. leading up to that itself is like a whole trip um yeah she journeys to this region called the Dawn which is where it's essentially like the region leading up to Baron Light. Which but is let's talk about how outpost. she gets there. This is, okay, because we know that up until now, Varl and uh, Aloy are in Meridian, and Aloy's like, you know what? Let me decide to take. Uh, uh, let me decide to, uh, you know, make use of um, Vod's hospitality uh, a little bit, and she's like, we'll stay, but she ends up booking it in the middle of the night, leaving Varl behind <laughs> again. A trait worthy of, I don't know what to say. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that was kind of like a, it was a funny, but also kind of frustrating scene. Because again, like at this point, this is still kind of early in the game and Aloy's not stupid. I think she knows that like Varl is not really going to hinder her so much as help her. But Mm -hmm. I think again, because she's just so used to operating on her own and she spent literally like the first, you know, few decades of her life being exactly. on her own I think she just finds it easier to just do things on Deal her with own stuff and, on and her not own. worry mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And like, you know, also if Barrow comes with her, then um, she has to be mindful of his safety. Whereas, you know, when she's the only one, she can really do whatever she wants and it doesn't matter if or she's getting into something like dangerous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter what she does when it's only her because mm. it's only her, but with a second person, whoever it is, then she has to be more mindful of like their safety and all of that. So um, I wonder if that's part of the reason why she leaves Carl. Maybe. But at any rate, she... <laughs> She, she books she it. Does. Yeah. Basically is like... she, she, yeah. She, she books it and poor Varo <laughs> is just like, he's like dead to the world for a few hours because he's, you know, fast asleep and he probably doesn't even notice. And so Aloy has a few hours head start yeah. on him. And um, she to makes the it dawn. a distance. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> you mentioned, okay, let's talk about the scenery because, oh my God, the people, the developers have done such an awesome job in bringing this map to life because oh my god the dawn <laughs> how pretty was that let's talk about it oh it was gorgeous mm-hmm. it was gorgeous like I mean the whole game is just beautifully animated and rendered but yeah. I mean like every location whether it's like the more like jungle-like locations and like the western regions or like mm-hmm. the northern regions where it's more like you know uh like foresty and then like the coastal yeah. regions and even like the desert regions like everything mm-hmm. is just beautifully animated and I think mm-hmm. like the when they mentioned or like teased that there was going to be like some desert regions I was kind of like nervous about that because mm-hmm. deserts are essentially a lot of sand and it's Same. like they can be beautiful in their own way but you know how do you as a player how is how do you kind of get excited about exploring a desert well I think this game if you look at origins more... it'll tell you because yeah yeah it was beautiful but I know what you mean though I understand but yeah these guys did such a wonderful job but yeah uh, the uh, passage to Barren Light is through the Daunt and a town called, an Azaram town called Chainscrape. So let's talk about that and how she deals with people in the Daunt who are basically like making it difficult for her. Let's talk about it. <laughs> and yes, I'm talking about I mean... studious Wadis. I am. I really am. But let's talk about it. Yeah. I mean, again, a lot of like the opening portions of the game is just Aloy cleaning up other people's messes. Mm -hmm. And um, the Dawn is like a really good example because when she gets into this region, which is it's it's essentially, I think, kind of like a valley Mm. almost um and it's you know it's she needs to pass through to to lead up to or to get into barren light where the embassy is going to take place but yep. you know she has to clear out the daunt before she can really get to barren light and um there's a number of issues here chain scrape is being run by somebody who's not competent enough competent, um, also... and then bristlebacked a bristleback problem basically right yeah Yeah. so like more machines and and tougher machines than um what the locals in the dot may have encountered and then on top of it all like you mentioned studious bodies is kind of like this karja sun priest who's assigned to i think lead the embassy or be a part of the Mm. embassy as like a representative and um he's just like all kinds of condescending and and pompous stuck up and yeah yeah that's probably a better word um but yeah he's not at all really i think impressed by Aloy which is stupid of him <laughs> but, yeah, true. Um, he's 
he's kind of like, oh, this Nort can't do anything. And like, I know what I'm talking about because I'm a high sun priest. And this is just like a lowly savage from the East, like that type of mentality. Yeah. But anytime Aloy gets to interact with him, the dialogue I always found was like, it's beautiful. I love it. It's really simple. It's like, hey. And then, and the next line she tells him is, shut up. Just, I love it. It's simple, yet effective. I love it. I need more of that in my life. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful uh, because he's being high and mighty. And I love how she puts like, I would, uh, she, there's an Azaram guard who's been assigned to protect Wadis. And she just goes up to him and like, I was expecting more action and less scripture. Can you tell me more about what's going on here? So it was just like so funny. And I and I love how to the point she is about this. But in this process, we get to see Aaron. So let's talk about that because I love Aaron, another wholesome character. Let's talk about him. Yeah, I mean, it was so great to see familiar faces so early on in the game. And yeah. then also characters who are like, you know, clearly um very close to Aloy in the sense yes. I think both Varl and Erend have and they actually do just kind of anytime she needs them just drop what they're mm-hmm. doing and like yeah. come to her aid if she needs like backup or whatever yes and um it was so nice seeing them but also it's kind of interesting because I think um at the end of the first game I think Erend was kind of expecting that you know like he's made this great friend and you know they've been yeah. on this crazy adventure together maybe Eli would stick around but literally the night of her celebration she just like disappears yeah so he hasn't seen he's her. a little mad about that yeah but yeah so um it, it was nice to see him but also kind of funny that he was just like a little bit like Myth. upset but like a little bit yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but um they have this really like nice reunion which is really sweet so it is sweet I love it because it's like they're so happy to see each other genuinely and it's a sweet thing and I'm like yeah that's that's nice and he does mention that he's mad but then I think he's I think he that just dissipates when she when he learns that she needs help so it's like I kind of love him for it really it's it's just I know again he's also like really wholesome and just yeah, Sisley, so nice. Um, really yeah. funny too. Like he's got some of the, some of the best random lines in the game, but we'll oh, get into yeah. that in a bit. But it's just it's so funny to anytime he like talks about old one stuff and or listen to death metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Um so yeah, she does take care of the problems of chain scrape and the bristleback problem. So the embassy is supposed to be happening but let's talk about one character that Avad has mentioned because you mentioned that they were exchanging prisoners not exchanging prisoners but basically releasing a prisoner uh, in exchange for trade passage or stuff like that Uh, and this year the prisoner that they've decided to release was Fashab Avad's cousin he turns out to be slightly important here so let's talk about that yeah, I mean, he's kind of a unique character because he was captured in Tanakh territory during the Red Raids, but yeah. he kind of integrated himself into their society exactly. and rose pretty high up in their ranks. So he's a marshal yeah. and essentially like an enforcer um, under the the Tanakh chief, Hikaru, mm. who's trying to unite the 
different Tanakh tribes under kind of one unified banner as opposed to right, you know, three right, separate right, clans. Right. And um, so Fushav has kind of been instrumental in um, Get, enforcing the Kara's law and yeah. Uh, yeah, also getting that to happen. But um, more than that, I think he's also a very keen diplomat. And oh, so yeah. he kind of sees this as an opportunity to not only go back and kind of resume his old life, but also he like he describes as he's in a unique position because he knows the ins and outs of Tanakh society and you know their way of life but also having yes. been Karja he knows about the Karjas too so he's like in a really yeah. unique position and I think he's like the cool thing about him was that he was actually genuinely excited to go back to his old life yeah. to see what kind of positive changes he could make there which I think was um so cool and 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 so nice that he was like thinking that far ahead like he wasn't yeah. like yes I'm going back to my old life it was also like I can do some real good. And like, now that I know so much about being Tanakh, that I can bring that back to the Karja and, you know, maybe like dispel some stereotypes or whatever. And so um, that was really cool that he was like so excited about that. Um, but um, let's talk about what happens here, because I think uh, there's a moment because there's three Tanakh tribes, right? And the the embassy can't start until all three uh, tribes are, you know, there. Um, but that, uh, there's some tension, but eventually that happens. However, the embassy is crashed by a Tanakh rebel called Regala. So let's talk about her because she becomes important, or I wouldn't say instrumental, but kind of important. Let's talk about that. Exactly. Let's talk about. Yeah, she was really interesting because we find out that she was actually very close to Hikaru, and she was probably um, one of his best marshals, if not his best. And Fashav kind of describes Regala as Hikaru's biggest mistake because um, Hikaru is, I think, more reasonable in the sense he sees an opportunity for peace despite what the Karja have done in the past. And obviously, you know, I think he recognizes that the Karja of the present are not all the Karja of the past and um, that it's to a certain extent a little bit unfair to hold like an entire group of people responsible for the actions of like a very select few or like a group that was you know particularly evil when probably the vast majority of cards just didn't really want to participate in the red raids or whatever yeah but either way um i think hikara recognizes that like the red raids were in the past this is the present and they have an opportunity to like you know smooth things out and like make Mm. And, and get, you know, kind of benefit from like a, a healthier sort of diplomatic relationship than yeah, what for sure. in the previous Karja had. Regala, on the other hand, is just like, all Karja are evil. If anybody's like making any deals with them, that's basically just consorting with the enemy and you should all be dead. Yeah. So um, she, I think at one point, like pr- prior to the game starting, she had challenged Akaro to a duel. Instead of kind of killing her. Yeah, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah instead of killing her he just like essentially exiles her so Fashav describes that as like Hikaru's big mistake because mm. he's kind of like Regala really should have been killed but now she's kind of emerged as like this huge thorn in Hikaru's side because she's working to essentially undermine him and everything he wants everything to he do stands for yeah, yeah yeah right exactly so exactly. um 
yeah, it was interesting to like get that backstory on Regala literally within seconds of her appearing. But yeah. she is, you know, she is a huge um, antagonist for like the first portion of the game. She's like the primary antagonist, really, for a good chunk. And then um, and she's pretty ruthless. That... She's a pretty ruthless warrior too. Like, let's talk about right. that. I think, yeah, the cool thing not about her being ruthless but the cool thing about the story is that you think just based off her initial introduction like okay this is a big bad we've been introduced to the big bad already (laughs) pretty early on but Mm. we find out that she's actually just a pawn in a much larger game oh yeah we do and we'll talk about that to kind of see that and and learn about that so uh, yeah but no her introduction was both cool because um Angela Bassett voices Regala which amazing oh my god uh, yeah that woman is amazing i cannot say that enough she she, she's great she's great (laughs) yeah but yeah but also just like her introduction it's literally like she pops up at this super important super monumental sort of event gathering yeah in the karja Mm -hmm. and her warriors or her rebels kind of decimate the entire you know like they make short work of these people basically it's Mm -hmm. like yeah, yeah, you're right. You're so right. it's like literally within minutes of like meeting Fashad, he died, which is unfortunate because even that short amount of time, there was so much about him that was so interesting. And I think as like a NPC or as a character that you interact with, um, he was one I think I would have liked to see more. But unfortunately, in this fight that happens between Regala and um, you know the the Karja representatives and the Tanakh yeah. representatives, a lot of them do die. Um, and you know Aloy and Varl, of course, survive because Varl has caught up with her by this time. Yeah. But um, you know a lot of the Tanakh, unfortunately, um, do die. A lot of the Karja yeah. die. Wadis dies. Um, yeah. And so it's it's kind of like a bloodbath, which is a little bit sad because these are characters that. Some of them, like you've just gotten to meet, but some of mm-hmm. them, um, which I think is also kind of cool, like they pop up here at the embassy very, very briefly, and then yeah. you don't see them until later in the story. But again, they become very instrumental later in the yes. story. So um, Katalo is one of Hikaro's marshals who is at yeah. the embassy, and you see him very briefly. I think he has maybe like one or two lines like very minimal dialogue at the embassy but then he becomes a fairly important character later down later down the line so they were like planting seeds and then (laughs) you you just have to wait for them to grow later on in the story definitely but like but then but before Fashav dies he gives Aloy a weapon or something like a dagger or a knife I think that will basically guarantee her passage into Tanakh territory even though that might be contentious I mean it's like you can go show this as a token but I cannot guarantee that they will be friendly or that it would be easy so let's talk about that because again the uh, the place where silence indicated Hades would be um, is in Tanakh territory. So let's talk about that because this is where things get interesting. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing with Fashav also um, was interesting just because he points out kind of like bluntly, he says to Aloy, like, this is a huge mission that you're undertaking because, you know, there's a period of time where they're waiting for the embassy to start. And so he's mm-hmm. trying to get a feel for like who Aloy is, what she does. And so she explains her story. He explains his and like they trade information. 
but um at one point he you know in talking to Aloy he's like you're on a huge mission which is like great it's amazing but there's only two of you and this is like a huge undertaking that you both set out to to accomplish and so he's kind of trying to give her advice and he's like you know trust me when I say you're going to need friends and allies before this whole yeah. thing is through yeah. and so um that I think was super interesting and, and super cool that he kind of points it out early on because over the course of the game that's kind of what Aloy does she like gets new allies and friends um maybe not intentionally in the sense I don't think she goes looking specifically for allies but they find her anyway um but uh that that part was interesting but yeah like you mentioned silence is like kind of deep in Tanakh's territory or certainly yes. deeper than you know just being at the embassy will um being at the embassy is and so Aloy just has to kind of she has to do whatever she needs to do to find him because you know he's annoying and unfortunately he also has some information that she may or may not that need she doesn't definitely know no she definitely needs because Hades could be the key to finding where Gaia might be so like yeah I mean I think she she recognized that but I think part of her is also like she's still not entirely willing to trust mm, any information fair, he's giving her fair. so she's kind of yeah. I think a better way of putting it maybe was that she is probably on guard because on guard but it's the only lead she has yeah right yeah, yeah but Silence also right. has a habit of using her you know for his own uh, goals and stuff like that so I think she's like she knows that if she's going into Tanakh's territory and especially if she's going to deal with silence again she just has to be on her guard so um well, yeah sure. I think she's she's a little bit more worried than maybe she was in the first game <laughs> no I agree and she has every right to be good on you girl be safe but yeah so at this point that and this is where we find her venturing further into uh, the West, Varl being injured again in this battle, and Aaron being injured by the Bristlebacks. She heads off alone at this point again, uh, looking for Gaia again. So let's talk about how she finds Hades and what ha- what information Hades gives her, and what we find at the Hades Proving Lab because that turns out to be super important. So let's talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, so um, she has successfully managed to track Silence and Hades into Tanakh territory at this point. And um, she finds the remnant of Hades. Silence has basically just tortured this AI into whatever like, it oblivion is. almost yeah, pretty much yeah yeah he's like if 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 it was possible for an inch of an its AI life to die possibly yeah 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 if it was possible for an AI to die like Silence has brought Hades within an inch of his death yeah. um, Aloy does complete the job and she does finish Hades mm-hmm. but not before Hades kind of tries to I think threaten her with um higher or like larger threats but um you know Aloy again she's got so many things on her plate she doesn't really have time to worry about other stuff that might be coming further down the line when like mm. the blight is a huge issue yeah. um, restoring Gaia and like re-terraforming mm-hmm. the earth is an issue and all of that so it's like and now the whole Tanakh the rebel thing is an issue for some right, reason yeah yeah that too but yeah. like a lot, a lot of these things I think she has to like prioritize and I think for her it's like the blight and then figuring out where Gaia is are like the biggest yeah. things yeah. and so um when she finally meets silence or you know when she finally gets more information from him you know she has to go to the Hades proving lab which is I think where yeah. they like did tests on Hades prior to Zero Dawn officially launching back in the 21st exactly. century exactly and um 
she has to um so let's take, yeah yeah it, let's talk about you know, this a little bit because i think uh let's talk about the few dead ends that she um encountered because we see a few log files and audio files where uh if you guys remember travis tate he's the guy who designed Haiti. he was, he was part of the zero dawn team and they found and then these people found out that another group had stolen a copy of Gaia, but the copy of Gaia that was stolen turned out to be a virus, basically, which was the dead end that they encountered. I love that scene. It was kind of funny to see. But now this is an actual lead in the Hades proving lab. But the twist here is Aloy thinks that she'll find Gaia with all her sub functions in that kernel, but unfortunately, she only finds Gaia, which mm-hmm. is a task, but that's not the only thing that she encounters because a certain group is also there with a bombshell of a reveal. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I think there's some mentions um, throughout like the early portions of Forbidden West um, to this other group. So like you were mentioning, like you mentioned Travis T and Zero yeah. Dawn and all of that. And we find out that um, while Zero Dawn was in development, there was another initiative Ooh. almost called Far Zenith, yeah. which was yeah. basically kind of about trying to copy others. or replicate this. To an extent, yeah. So like the mm-hmm. Farzenith initiative, they wanted their own copy of Gaia and all her sub-functions so that they could, you know, terraform their own location. But it's kind of like, I guess, what you would expect if a bunch of rich people were in charge of Zero Dawn. Oh my God, um, yes. It was like just a bunch so of like, rich people who were des- decided to like pool their resources and then go out into space because Earth was not salvageable and yeah. uh, they weren't going to stick around to, you know, die in the Pharaoh Plague. So um, they built this, you know, huge fancy spaceship and the goal is to get all these people off of earth and into space and Aloy believes based on data that she encountered or uh, collected at the time that 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 spaceship exploded perished yeah right yeah Yeah. and so the it seems like the far zenith initiative just didn't really work and and any sort of initiative yeah like it seems like zero dawn is really the only thing that did work but um by the time she gets to the hades proving lab this is kind of turned upside down because um we as players may guess just based off of you know different data points and and all that stuff that are that is in the world but aloy isn't still 100 percent sure at this point but we do see um, the introduction of Far Zenith, actually. So now yeah, but before we do, just just one second, because the entry to this Hades proving lab requires a biological signature of yes, Elizabeth. That's is, important that's to know. Big, yeah, that's important to know. So continue now. Continue your point because now we know what the it's, what the bombshell yeah, reveal is going to be. Like, <laughs> yeah. Let's it's not like leading it. up to it. Yes. But, um, probably, I think it. the game does it with more suspense than we could do oh, it. But yeah, like sure, you said, you sure. need uh, the, the entry to the Hades Proving Lab is, is only for authorized personnel, essentially. And you, yeah. you need a specific biological signature to get it. And Aloy, of mm-hmm. course, being um, essentially a clone of Elizabeth Zobeck, has been able yeah. to get access her whole life into most places that others yeah. were usually denied entry. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, she is no longer the only one who can access these places because um she retrieves a guy a colonel but while she she's there silence 
decides that now is a good time to open his mouth and he says he invited some friends over for you know Aloy to meet and uh he's he's like convinced he's like they're not gonna hurt you they're not gonna kill you because you're more useful to them alive and like it's gonna be great and um you know again this is all just for him really to kind of get what he wants which he still hasn't told Aloy but um Aloy is like very wary at this point and she's like super pissed too that this jerk has invited people who are probably going to kill her and sounds exactly. like trying to convince her like don't worry they won't um, be nice. but they totally want to yeah they <laughs> totally they want just to like, yeah she's i think kind of like if she could i think she would wring silence's neck but oh, she, um she doesn't yeah. have that luxury because one silence isn't there physically he's just interacting via focus network and uh two um this lock that is you know on the Hades proving lab that nobody but her should be able to open is now is, opened and so um she and and we as and players get to see the um remnants of the far zenith colony for the first time and they have with them a second clone of elizabeth that nobody knew about and able to know about yeah um, exactly so um yeah it's uh it's, it's quite it's a, a shocker yeah it yeah. is for sure because it's just because one of two things here because like Aloy operated on the fact that she was the only one who could have especially in the first game she was operating under the assumption that she was the only one who had access to these locked doors so that she could make this right that was her whole deal in the first game and now even now that was her assumption until it's shattered completely by this reveal and she's like oh my god what the heck is this how did this happen kind of thing and not only that she's she ends up fighting one of the people from Farzinith who turn out to be invulnerable because of some shields that they've invented and it makes it right. impossible for her to even land a hit on them. So let's talk about all of that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the kind of like mini boss fight that you do at that mm. portion of the game is really frustrating because mm. um, the, the encounter goes about as well as you would expect. Silence mm. has devised this plan and in kind of typical Silence fashion has miscalculated because he has this issue that he will never admit to but is kind of obvious I think to us as players that he tends to underestimate yeah. a lot of his opponents yes. um, and he underestimated Aloy and now he's underestimated these people that he hasn't he hasn't actually like sat down with them and had a conversation he's reached mm. out to them but kept himself anonymous enough to kind of protect himself mm. but he's like fully exposed Aloy by you know bringing her here giving her this like um breadcrumb trail to follow mm. and now that Aloy and the Farzina uh people are in the same location um and you know they're face to face and they can see each other the meeting goes about as well as we would expect but silence yeah, apparently because they yeah. have no need for her they're basically like get right. rid of her they have their own clone right yeah. and silence didn't even he didn't know about that so he couldn't mm. have taken it into account but it's like you know these are this is why you don't just do things you don't gamble with people yeah um so he had kind of promised Aloy like don't worry they're not going to kill you 
but now Aloy is expendable because they have their own clone who can do everything mm. Aloy can do in terms of, you know, activating certain things or getting into certain exactly. regions and all of that. Exactly. And so they have no need for her. So you have to fight one of them. And then, like you said, he's got an impenetrable shield, which mm-hmm. essentially just kind of makes him impossible to fight. So it's mm-hmm. more of like a, a, like, kind of like this weird, like, dance type thing where it's like he's trying to you can only stop him for a little bit while you make your escape so let's talk about that because the poor girl is hurt by the end of this she is unfortunately yeah so i mean she does get away which you know i don't think there's really any doubt that aloy would Mm -hmm. get away when she could Mm -hmm. but um when she does get away she unfortunately um is injured because the whole kind of escape and the whole sort of battle of the Hades proving lab is kind of one that you cannot fight like you physically yeah. cannot fight because mm-hmm. everybody that she's fighting is so overpowered mm-hmm. and not only that but um the far zenith uh bad guys if you will have their own machines that are kind of more advanced than any machine that they always ever encountered right yeah, exactly. yeah exactly exactly so um it's it just kind of like a, a pointless battle at least on Aloy's part like mm-hmm. she's not gonna win against them and so the best thing she can do is just escape and live to you know fight another day type thing yeah. so she yeah. does manage to escape but unfortunately you know with everything she is wounded and she does um kind of she's she's out of it for a bit because she's pretty mm-hmm. you know badly injured yeah. um but at this point thankfully everybody's favorite varl has recovered and um he actually finds her, he finds um, her. And, and he takes her back to like an utaru settlement called i think it's stone's echo where you go yeah um and um he he kind of you know tells her like don't worry it's it's all good we can rest here you can recover mm-hmm. and um we also meet another important character so um, yes <laughs> cool let's so talk about so because she's awesome she is and in a lot of ways she's very similar to Varl um mm. because I think part of what makes this game so interesting is that part of it is you know Aloy doing these different tasks and stuff because she has to but then I think one of the cool aspects that I really enjoyed too was actually just like making alliances and like for sure yeah and just like seeing them understand the world Aloy does because kind of like we mentioned earlier she has like all these spare focuses and um she she's kind of giving focuses to all her allies now so they can see everything she sees and so it's not mm-hmm. just like she's the only one who has access to this information now everybody that she chooses can see what she wants them to see yeah. and so um I, I just thought that was so cool also um there was so much going on in the game I think we forgot to mention but um Silence uh and and Aloy used to communicate via focus network but then I Aloy think she crushes yeah she does and I love it <laughs> he deserves that I know that scene was was it was so satisfying yeah because yeah. he, he totally deserves it but it was just yeah. um I mean I, I just I just wish he had done it sooner it was like you did not need to put up with him that long but yeah the mm-hmm. Hades Proving Lab before you know she meets the far zenith um group um it was just like so done with the silent shit that she's like like I, I just I, I she just can't deal with him anymore she's like I don't care and even yeah. though you know her focus has seen her through so much she has so many now so she can afford to lose a couple <laughs> Yeah. So she she breaks her focus, which again was so satisfying. Also, just like a little bit bittersweet because it's like mm. that focus saw her through so much in the first game. So it's yes, like, oh, so sad that she she broke it. But yeah, um, 
No, that's so true. It is satisfying. <laughs> yes, but let's talk about why the Utaru are important and why Zoe is important in at this stage in the game. Because when she got the Gaia kernel from the proving lab, she knew that it was only the Gaia kernel and she needed to get the subfunction kernels. But the only one she has a lead on is Minerva. And that subfunction is currently only available with in a place which is part of the Utaru stronghold in plain song. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so I think at the Hades Proving Lab, um, Aloy, if, when she finds out that Gaia doesn't have any of her subfunctions, mm -hmm. I think Silence is like, oh, well, this is a stupid plan because um, we're not going to get anywhere without any subfunctions. But Aloy is resourceful and, and you know, super smart, and, and she has access to more data than Silence probably mm -hmm. knows what to do with. Mm -hmm. And she's um, clever enough to kind of see certain threads. And, and so she's like, you know, this might seem hopeless to you, but like, we know where certain subfunctions are. We can get the subfunctions that we know of and, yeah. you know, and start go building from there. Gaia back yeah, up. Exactly. Right, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I think even by that point, Silence has to admit that he's impressed with that plan. But I think the problem at present is that one of the subfunctions, Minerva, is um, in an Utaru sacred cave, mm. or what they consider a cave, but it's really like a cauldron or like some sort of like repair Pretty bay much. or some sort of old yeah. world facility yeah. that, you know, yes. unfortunately has lost its meaning. Yes. Um, but in order to, to go in and retrieve Minerva, who's kind of, I think, if I remember correctly, I believe Minerva was like cloaking the other subfunctions so they she couldn't was. locate or um, pinpoint their precise locations without. Yeah. Uh, kind of merging Minerva with Gaia. So mm -hmm. Aloy has to retrieve Minerva first and, and they have to get permission from the chorus, which is like the Utaru governing body or leadership or whatever. And mm -hmm. um, Zoe is kind of instrumental in getting Aloy that permission to go in and get Minerva. And um, once they do have Minerva, they're able to merge her with Gaia and kind of start slowly rebuilding all her subfunctions and kind of restoring her to what she was yes but um minerva i think like after that mission we got a couple of interesting revelations yes because there's a number of things that aloy is trying to do like you know restore gaia restore the subfunctions restore yeah. this whole terraforming thing but mm -hmm. in order to do that they need to bring hephaestus under control and unfortunately yeah gaia, let's talk about now, that that's super yeah, important. She's not, mm -hmm. Yeah, she's not powerful enough, unfortunately, um, the way she is now to to merge with Hephaestus, I mean, basically. Right, yeah, so because Hephaestus think, is a problem because he's spread all over the network. So mm -hmm. it's like it's really difficult to um, basically how do I put this? It's really difficult to uh, basically take control of Hephaestus or merge Hephaestus with Gaia the way she is now because <laughs> she doesn't have enough power to, you know, absorb him or whatever. So basically that's right. where we're at at this point. So that's an important thing. That's going to be a task for her to complete. So let's talk about that because each of these three subfunctions that she has to get uh, turns out to be a mini arc in and of itself. So let's talk about that because I find this really interesting. It is, yeah. And it was super cool because each, 
like mini arc was so different and so unique on its mm-hmm. own mm-hmm. and um I just thought that, that was like super cool to to see that like they're all varied and unique and, and each one it they still tie into the main story very well but they feel very like distinct too which is sometimes I yeah. think hard to pull off but in my opinion I thought that it was really well done but um yeah she she has the now that you know once Minerva is merged with Gaia she knows yeah. the location of Poseidon Demeter and Ether that's right and she has to go on you know different quests to bring them back and so the cool thing too, the discussion, art, which I really love yeah right yeah and like gameplay wise the cool thing the, the, sorry can't talk the cool Sorry. thing with um this portion is that like the game lets you choose which one you want to start mm. with so you're not locked into doing a specific one so mm-hmm. you can really do them in in any order and um, there's two cool. perks with, yeah. with everyone so uh yeah the poseidon arc um and i don't know if we mentioned spoilers but spoilers abound so <laughs> if you're listening this far and, and not aware i'm sorry um, we're so I, I sorry guys but we forgot to, yeah we, to got, we forgot to mention spoilers, that Yes. Um, the Poseidon arc gives you the rebreather, uh, the Demeter arc, you get the software upgrade to do, or to essentially hack the metal flowers, which like, oh yeah, because that is Demeter. Yeah, 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 you're right. So there's like little cool perks kind of with every Mm -hmm. single, um, Mm -hmm. one, but, um, yeah, you can really do them in any order and they're all, uh, I think like a riot. There's so much fun. Um, there's great characters in every single one. I think yes. my favorite though, like just in terms of like NPCs would probably have to be Poseidon because you meet like <laughs> these three dudes who are just awesome. the remains of Las Vegas. Azeram people way yeah, in Las just Vegas. Just a good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aaron would um, be proud. <laughs> oh my God, I know. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. And let's talk about the machine that you fight for to get to Poseidon because let's because the Poseidon kernel is underwater, guys. Let's just be clear; it's underwater, which is why you need to need the rebreather in the first place. But um, the machine that you end up fighting here is a is called a tide dripper, but Cass and I ended up calling her Nessie. Basically, it's just Nessie. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really cute machine when you see it because it's not as like threatening as like a thunder jar with a glint hawk or yeah. something, but yeah. it is massive. And it I is would massive. love to see a comparison, like a size comparison between all right? the different machines from Zero yeah. Dawn to Vin West. Yeah. Um, I just think that, that would be really cool because like yes. it's, it, sometimes it's really hard to get a scope of how big some of these machines are mm. um, because it's like I have a tendency to like, measure everything against a Thunderjaw so it's like because it's not that, I think the Thunderjaw was the biggest machine that we saw in the first game I feel like you know yeah yeah I think so I think you're right um but like in this game there's so many like huge machines but like I would really just love like a size comparison to see like which one is is because um there's thunder jaws from the original game there's Mm -hmm. these ones tide rippers there's tremor tusks which I think featured a lot in like the promo material Um, shell snappers shell snappers slaughter spines oh my god um, yes the slaughter spines and uh dread wings too dread wings are like massive and i would yeah. love to see like a comparison between like a dread wing mm-hmm. and like a thunder jaw because it feels like it's it feels like it's like a a smaller machine but still 
like a thunder jaw just on wings um so yeah, yeah i think you could carry a thunder jaw in its talons and just fly off and you'd be like what the heck well, I don't know about that, but they're they're definitely massive and like bigger than I was prepared for. Because anytime a machine yeah. flies, I because I'm a terrible shot, I'm just like, all right, this is gonna go horribly. I'm probably not gonna land a single hit. But the dread wings, I feel like they're so big that you kind of do end up landing hits. But they're also, um, I think I've never had this happen in my file, and maybe because I just lucked out, and um, or because I like I just maybe it was a glitch, I don't know. But I think supposedly the dread wings are supposed to turn invisible. So it's like a flying invisible machine. You mean like the stalkers? um, Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a flying stalker essentially, but it's it's like you know it's much bigger. And um, yeah, I haven't seen that either. Maybe when Um, this comes to PC, Sony. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Uh, It just uh, you know what? I'm I'm trying to not be salty about this right now, but okay. But you know what I mean. But oh my god, that that's pretty crazy. Yeah, but. Yeah, of course. Like, I, I yeah. think it was like in the machine log or like the machine notebook. Yeah. But um, I've never had a dreadwing turn invisible mm-hmm. on me. I've mm-hmm. always been able to see them, but they do a lot of damage more than a stalker, I think. And so it was the it was terror of having a shell think. snapper belly flop on you is the worst thing ever. Don't ever try it. <laughs> I mean, it's. I think it's it's less intimidating after the first time because like you know yeah but the first time you see it do Um, a belly flop on you you're like what the heck is this kind of thing you know like yeah yeah it's it's equal parts terrifying but also exciting because I think one of like the really exciting things about playing a game for the first time is especially with a game like this when there's like new machines and stuff oh my god yes kind of almost like this might be a terrible analogy but to me it's almost like playing a Pokemon game where it's like every new iteration of Pokemon there's new types of Pokemon that you go and hunt and especially find if you want to figure out a strategy of how you can beat it find its weak points all these all, all those things it's pretty right. cool i agree yeah so um i just thought it was like super cool that we got new machines and it was so much fun to go and find them mm-hmm. even though you had no idea what they did and so part of the fun for me was like finding a super machine and then like totally freaking out when it was like yeah. a slaughter spine or like um like a, a, a tremor tusk you have to fight as part of the main story actually um, yep. and and because it was in the promo material like I think that kind of prepares you for you know big machines but yep. um, like sun wings I was not prepared for and I just Oof. found one just like just when I was like you know free roaming and it just like I, I happened think, upon I think it, or only, it saw me. <laughs> I think a couple of machines that we saw were claw striders, uh, mm-hmm. tremor tusks, and the slither fang. These are the three machines that we actually saw in the promo material. But let's Mm -hmm. talk about the other sub-functions because important stuff happens. Because like, if you look at Aether, uh, you get to see, you get to finally meet Hakaro and actually know Katalo a bit more and participate in an event called the Cold Root, which is basically Hakaro's way of recruiting more marshals to unite uh, the Tana. So let's talk about that because Aloy's sass is on another level in that quest line. I just it was a lot of fun. A little bit more work, I think, than probably she needed yeah. to put in. Yeah. Because um, I mean Hakaro's well, basically point of view, I understand, like but... no, yes, but Hakaro's like, you know what? I don't care about the end of the world. I know you need this, but I need my tribe to be united first. So, you know do that for me and then we'll talk about this not that he knows that those are the stakes but it's kind of like that 
and it's like right. okay i guess but then <laughs> uh, but then he said but the but uh she and uh, katalo form an unlikely alliance to basically recruit people from all the tribes to participate in this event one try one uh one uh clan unfortunately is being difficult so let's talk about that because i love aloy's sass in this one it's just she, she's yeah. a woman I, after my own I don't heart think she's a woman after my she, heart she is she really is but i don't think um so Ava and katalo i don't think they've recruited anybody but most no. of the like so each tribe has to send candidates and i think the desert yeah. clan and the lowland clan had sent their candidates to the cool route yeah. which is basically like the tanakh equivalent of approving yeah but nicer mm. um and uh the sky clan had not sent anybody and because katalo was initially from the sky clan um and also i guess it's like hikaro's right hand man hikaro sends him with aloy and at first hikaro sorry uh katalo yeah it's very like kind of standoffish he just doesn't yeah. like the idea of being back home especially yeah. with like this random outlander or yeah. savager from the east or whatever they're calling her and mm. he's just very kind of like upset about the whole thing but the really cool thing is like over time you kind of see him warm up to aloy because like it's yeah. aloy everybody loves her yeah they form a very strong alliance in the end which i absolutely um, love but yeah 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 um but yeah i mean just like the whole sky clan arc was um it was a lot of fun also again some of like the prettiest scenery in the game just like being beautiful like yeah it's like i don't know kind of in in a weird way like some of the like regions up there kind of reminded me of red 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 dead redemption too Oh, okay. Um, just like okay. The, the I haven't played that game, but all right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's they're both gorgeously animated, is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to get at. No, no, I agree. Um, but but, but Ayla is such a she's a menace in the best possible way, right? She's like just it's. Let's talk about Dakota so for a but, minute because yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think that's the thing that I love about Eloy, though, that she's, like, clever, resourceful, witty, snarky, like, all of these amazing things. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a really fun sequence because um, she got to do something kind of, I guess, I, I don't want to say out of character for her. It's but risky. it's, like, I think something that, it's it's risky and something that she might not have considered doing before. Yeah. But the big thing is like Takote, who's like this leader of the Sky Clan, just doesn't want to send people yeah. to the cool route because where being they super are, super stubborn about it too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the Sky Clan is essentially protected because they're behind this huge wall called the Bulwark, and like it's mm-hmm. never fallen. And so they're like, we don't need to worry about the other clans; they can do what they want. We're safe from Regala here. When the reality is like, yeah. no one is safe because she's crazy. Yeah, that woman's um, crazy. But, that woman's crazy, um, yo. They, they have to kind of force him to join and it's really funny because he's like as long as the bulwark stands i'm not sending any of my men and so aloy is not just like well now what do we do she's like all right fine if, if that's how we're gonna phrase it i'll bring down the bulwark which she does she and then katalo's like what the hell <laughs> but well um, she does bring it down that. he is impressed by it um, at first he's like what the hell but she does bring it down you're like okay <laughs> Yeah, I just love okay. it almost like without missing a beat. Like, I mean, yeah. it's not like, you know, Aloy doesn't, as soon as Takote is like, I'm not sending people as long as the bulwark stands. Yeah. Aloy's not just like, oh my God, woe is us. We can't do this. I mean, that's not how yeah. she is as a character in general. But yeah. I think it's so cool that um, it's like 
almost without missing a beat she finds yeah. like this weakness in the bulwark and she's like hey we can exploit this and he phrased it a very specific way like as long as the bulwark stands so all we have to do is make sure it doesn't stand so it's like a different way to approach the problem which i think is so cool but also like i love her for really it i love her for it she's like, amazing i don't know how many people would think of that and just be yeah. like yeah we're gonna take down this giant wall <laughs> yeah so yeah after this crazy incident at the bulwark uh basically they have to um make sure that the cold road happens Chakotay is finally forced to send candidates to uh, the cold route so that uh, Hikaru can select his marshals from all three clans of the Tanakh. And that's how it is. So let's talk about that too. Yeah, I mean, I think one, it was nice to not participate in it because Aloy right? has been through the proving and yeah. that was an ordeal and a half. And oh God, uh, yes. as fun as it was like leading up to the proving and like, you know, doing all the, you know, training and, and whatnot for it. I don't think she misses having to. That training montage is still one it. of my favorite scenes ever. I know it's, it's gorgeous. I love it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think as a player and I'm mm. sure probably as a character, I think it, it just, I think I would like to think that Eli felt happy to not participate. In the I quarter, think so. But as a player, I was happy that we didn't have to. Um, no, I kind of agree. It's fun, but it's um, the, the thought of going in and just fighting machines for the heck of it is just like, no, because Aloy just has so much on her plate. She like, this is and the she last fights thing she machines did, on the regular just because of exactly. what she has to do. Yeah. So it's like, you know. Although I was fully expecting Hikaru to be like, hey, like, join the others in the ring like prove your worth yeah but thankfully um he I guess used her skill set slightly better I don't know um yeah but either way it was nice not to have to participate in the cool route but you do have to defend it because at yes. this point it's like known that Regala is going to attack it's just a matter of like when and where when and where so, yeah absolutely um, absolutely she I will and it does happen as, uh it, it does, does yeah. yeah and um like I said, I'll, I'll give her credit. She can make an entrance. Regala, she, she, yeah, she comes in for sure. Style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, like when she pops up at the embassy, she's like you know riding a claw strider, and like that's the first mm-hmm. time in the game you see the claw strider, unless you know yeah. you've explored mm, um, further. True. Or actually, I don't know if you can. Actually, I don't think it uh, lets but, um, you. I think in this game, not. the system it works in a way. I think. Okay, I'm sorry. I've only seen walkthroughs, but maybe you can explore. Maybe you can see the area, but there are some areas that are closed off to you until you actually are within the mission. Yeah, so you can so. you can explore like the daunt and stuff and you can get like to the daunt, but basically until you leave Meridian, like so leading up to Meridian, that's like its own little mini map where you can only kind of explore that region. Yeah, yeah. Then once you leave um, and you go to Meridian, there's like Meridian's, I think like its own little tiny like pocket mm. and mm. then once you leave meridian and like after the title screen pops up i think then you get like the proper map but mm. even then until you leave the daunt mm. you can't access uh the rest of the map because you have like mm. the embassy has to take place and you have to have like done that quest and like physically opened or like have the the karja uh troops physically open the gates for you yeah. at baron light so um i yeah i think at the very beginning the embassy is probably the first time you would see a claw strider yeah, because yeah because i think up until them. then you're stuck in the daunt and chain scrape up until mm-hmm. then up until that point right yep. yeah so with this but, done I mean, just, <laughs> yeah go ahead go just, ahead i'm I, sorry 
no, I was just going to say like, it was just, it, it was really fun to see Regala like pop up because part of the, like, I guess surprises you, like you knew she was coming, but there's like, she sends, you know, a whole bunch of rebels and machines mm. and you don't really know where she's coming from. So Aloy's like, you know, around the, she's like somewhere around the arena. I think, I think she's circling the, the yeah, exactly. She's circling she's the circling, area. Uh, she's just stationary for that portion. Cause there's like a mounted catapult type thing. Mm. There's some sort of weapon that they're like, mm-hmm. okay, you can go man that. And she's like, all right. And it's great because one, you don't have to waste your own ammo. <laughs> And two, like, it's hard to take a shot at, like, one machine in, like, a moving group of, like, ten machines. True. Um, so that Very part true. was fun. But then uh, Regala pops up, of course, not where Aloy is stationed, but inside the arena and in style, mm. too. Like, she pops up. I So I, I was looking at the animation, and the way she pops up, it looks like she's riding a rock breaker to get in, which would kind of make sense because she pops up underneath the arena. But, um, but doesn't she the need... Arena, air like don't rock breakers like go completely underground unless she used the rock breaker to create a tunneling system that gave her enough oxygen like i I don't know possibly i don't i i like beyond what we see i don't know like if Mm. there's just because rock breakers go completely underground don't they like they literally burrow into the ground and then pop back up like they do but also they they're quick and they're big enough that like I'm wondering if it just it was like an like it didn't matter because she was just like mm. in and out. But either way, like the, the weird thing I was trying to figure out was like specifically how she got into the arena because yeah. the animation of like the machine that shows it looks at least to me, it looked like a rock breaker. Mm. But then what pops out is a slur thing. So uh, but I also thought that was really funny because it's That's like what... at that point Aloy oh, has yeah. always thought a slither thing. Yeah. So um it's like maybe Regala was going for the element of like surprise but it's like no surprise to you because Aloy's already fought that and she's not phased by it <laughs> there's also like this really funny scene of like Aloy throwing a rock at this other thing to get its attention oh my god um and then like you know Aloy in typical Aloy yeah. fashion like abandoning her post outside the cool route and then like she becomes um the only person from you know the guard station outside the arena yeah. to like drop in and fight mm-hmm. this other thing but the nice thing too is that it's not just Aloy in there mm-hmm. like part of the cool route is like these um Tanakh warriors warriors have yeah. to fight machines and so like yeah. the super brave ones were like all right we're okay we'll fight this too which is cool yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah absolutely. so she wasn't entirely like 100 alone but she still did do the bulk of the work mm-hmm. and um she goes after Regala herself obviously because part of it is also I guess like maybe to Ayla it's a little bit personal but I also just like to think that she's just like so done with Regala that she's She's like I'm tired of this let's finish this yeah Yeah, I agree they almost do too which was like Mm. the really interesting thing like um Aloy manages to save Hikaru because you know Regala has caused a distraction and she slips away while her rebels are busy just like fighting everybody and her machines are busy fighting um, the the other Tanakh and and by the time Ayla catches up to her she's like one-on-one dueling with Hikaru and he's not doing so great yeah but um Ayla saves him and I was like it the way it looked it almost felt like she was gonna go toe to like she was gonna take on Regala one-on-one yeah first um time I saw that scene I was like is she gonna do it is she gonna do it (laughs) but she doesn't at that point which Mm. honestly is just as well because um 
again, Aloy just doesn't have time for this, but people are kind of making her jump through hoops to get what she needs. So I know. And in this case, it's Aether. In this case, it's Aether. Um, so after all this is done, uh, I think, where does Rogala go after this at this point? Because I think she, she just leaves. She leaves to, you she know, regroup away. or something. Yeah. Right. And, and the way exactly. she says it, she's like, she's like, I'll be back with everything I have. But my yeah. question was, didn't you come with everything you have? Right. That's what because I was like, thinking. The club is like a huge the biggest gra- Exactly. Yeah. Well, I don't know about if it's the biggest, but it's like the way, like it could very well be because it's topped up and like hyped up. It's like this huge gathering and you know, like there's going to be- And all the bravest warriors are there at that point, yeah. right? So it's, like, it's like, that would have been the time to come with maybe your strongest and like mm-hmm. a good chunk of your army, if mm-hmm. not all of your army. And I would also just think from like- uh like a tactical point of view wouldn't it be more efficient like why would you fight two battles when you could just pull all your resources i don't know maybe i'm wrong um Um, clearly i know nothing about tactics or (laughs) um machine battles but it's just like if you had an opportunity to wipe out the to knock all at once wouldn't you take it as opposed to like waiting (laughs) unless she was thinking that like because she was sneaking in that bringing her whole army would be too much work Mm. and not feasible so maybe, maybe she came with like a smaller group because of that but it's also like you have the ability to override machines now like Aloy does and like you've got all these rebels like why would you wait like all of the attention would be on the cool route anyway you might as well just like storm the place but mm. again I know nothing about tactics and <laughs> but, like oh, the yeah. working of Regala's mind but mm. fair we just ask the devs that <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'd love to pick their brain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because anything. Yeah. Uh, but like but Hikaru stays true to his word. He's like, you've done what you could, you you've done what you should have. I'm glad. Thank you. And he basically gives her access to Aether, which she does get. And Kotalo being the nice guy that he is, he's like, you know. Now I'm uh, now I, I'll help you with in your mission in whatever way I can. So he joins the group at the base as well. So mm-hmm. that's a pretty cool thing. Um, but let's talk about uh, when do we find out about the Omega clearance thing? Uh, so I think that's in. I think that might come after. Um, so you you do you do I think isn't it functions. the Cradle of Echoes? I think that's no, when you I, find I out. I think it's after because Cradle of Echoes is, is a different quest, but it's also equally no. important. No, no, no. But, because um, I think is that when we find out about the Omega clearance after we after what happens in Cradle of Echoes? Yeah, I think it's after Cradle of Echoes. I okay. could be wrong. Okay. Some of the minor details kind of blend you, together, but yeah. I know. So, uh, but yeah, so the, uh, because I think what I think Demeter is kind of tied to that Omega clearance thing in a little way because of the. Yeah, I think so. A I mean, that's the impression bit, I got, but not a I, lot, again, but... yeah, I mean, the way I did it, I felt like so I because you have the ability to choose how you want to do the sub function. Yeah, so you, you pick one, and then after you finish that, you're automatically locked into Cradle of Echoes. And then yeah. once the Cradle of Echoes is done, you finish the other two. Yeah. So when I did it, I did Poseidon first, then Aether, then Demeter. Mm, and right. so right after Demeter, you get like the whole, like you find out why you need the Omega Clearance and you get that whole set of quests. 
and to right. me like that so... seemed to flow pretty logically and like it mm. kind of felt like fluid like it, that felt like its own like little mini arc and, well, um, in that I case, let's do Demeter like... <laughs> and let's do Demeter and uh, the Omega Clearance stuff together, because then uh, and let's talk about Cl Cradle of Echoes for now, because that turns out to be super important, right? Mm -hmm. So let's yes. talk about that because I think Gaia warns you that uh, she's getting a signal from Aluthia, but the problem with that is that. Luthia has been silent for centuries. Why would she be sending a signal now, suddenly? And uh, that's kind of worrying, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that and what we find out when we go into this quest. Because it's yeah, a lot. I mean, <laughs> let's talk about it. There's, yeah, there's a, there, there's a number of things. But yeah, the, the like message, like a secret message being sent is in itself kind of like suspicious mm -hmm. because like you said, they don't really know specifically who sent it. Exactly. And they have like a, a, a rough idea of where it originated from. But again, that's also kind of like odd because Aluthia, I think she's been offline or like she's just dormant and she's not really, um, or like that particular AI function is not really, yeah. yeah, it's not active. So it's weird that it would suddenly be like transmitting a message but that too, it's like a secret coded message and it's not accessible or it's it's apparently not detectable by like Far Zenith or like anybody else or Rebels Yeah, or that's even more so suspicious. It's like, yeah, it's coming like directly, I think, to the base. And I don't, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, I think that like nobody else would really have the ability to like decipher it. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of like unknowns with this like again like who sent it why all that sort of thing but it's a could this be a think, trap yeah um, all those things yeah yeah so um i think aloy again is like she, she's not as quick to kind of jump into it but at the same time it's like they need to find out like the mm. source of it because if this could lead to another some function if it could mm -hmm. lead to like a dormant one that could somehow be reactivated or whatever like they need to know yeah. because gaia needs as much um, power she can in order to observe Hephaestus. Yep, yep, Aloy yep. Aloy kind of goes out on a limb and she's like, let's just let's just go. I think she and Varl let's go, right? Yeah. She, Varl and Erin, yeah, all three of them yeah. go. Yeah. Um, and it, like, the, the the lead up to, like, getting to the, the location is really funny because Erin is, like, in true Erin fashion, is, like, grumbling and complaining, but um, he's it had to be in a steep it, you know, hill. Like... <laughs> it had to be in a steep yeah. hill, right? Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, Aaron. Anyway, but, but um, let's talk but about yeah, what mean, we this... find there because it's like that is another bombshell of a reveal. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that too. Yeah, I think like that's honestly, it, it's it's not like a very flashy reveal in the sense it's no. not like there's you know like a huge action sequence and like you know all of this and like explosions or whatever. It's just kind of like things happen, but we find. Yeah. Um, or rather Aloy finds uh, the, the the second clone of Elizabeth uh, kind of, I guess, yeah. in like some sort of suspended animation or yeah. maybe she's attempted to freeze herself or whatever mm -hmm. the case is, but she is uh, sealed in this like weird old ones facility. And mm -hmm. um, it's kind of obvious the Zeniths are, they're trying to get her back because I think when Aloy first gets to that location mm -hmm. um there's already some sort of like scuffle happening with against you know zenith and um i don't know if these people have like any affiliation but it's just like two people who exist in, in aloy's earth 
Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember. They might've been Osram. I, I don't remember. Um, or even just like rebels or something, but I don't mm. either way. I don't really think their affiliation matters. The only thing of note is that like these guys somehow pierce the armor make or yeah 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 and like they have this weapon that they probably didn't make but i mean we as players know they didn't make but Mm. i think aloy is very quick to like put the pieces together that like that is not technology that these guys would have access to yeah um and like they wouldn't make it but it's the only weapon known so far that has pierced the zenith the shields so obviously she wants a piece of that to like you know recreate that because Mm -hmm. Um, she's looking for a rematch but unfortunately that like she she's only able to salvage a part of that machine not the whole thing yeah um but i think she has a pretty good guess as to who created oh yeah it. i think we all do right yeah and we'll talk about that um, in a bit as well uh but let's talk uh, and we find we find beta in in that facility and the only thing is the only thing that they can think of is getting her out of there um and basically ma- trying to understand what's going on basically so let's talk about that yeah that was honestly a very satisfying arc because mm-hmm. when you first see beta it's evident that she's not really doing what she's doing out of like a desire to it's like she's not it's not something that she personally wants to do yeah that way she's doing something because there there are people who are obviously controlling her or like you know demanding things from her and so she has to comply because that's you know kind of her purpose but it's clear that she's maybe not necessarily entirely comfortable with doing what she's doing she's only doing it because again um the zenith leadership or whatever is kind of like watching her and scrutinizing her and like one wrong move and she's out type thing but getting her out of this facility and back to the base was just so satisfying because it's like without I mean obviously the zeniths are advanced enough I think Mm -hmm. and they know enough that they could probably get to places with even without beta but it's like this will just make it a little bit harder for them so it might buy us some time um and then beyond that it's just really cool that you know there's now somebody who's similar enough to Aloy that Aloy could maybe relate to but I think like all sibling relationships go there's always an element of like frustration and like oh my god I can't believe like so and so and like there's a little bit of like a clash and so even though it's always gonna be like why are they such a why are they such why are they such an idiot why why just why you know it's that it's it happens with all siblings it's it's a thing okay oh it totally is <laughs> but yeah it is a very satisfying thing and then to find out uh who the, who the people from far zenith are and the most surprising thing that they find out is that they are the same people from isn't this what the, when they find out that they are the same people that left on the odyssey a thousand years ago i think so there's a lot of like so in between quests there's a lot of moments where Mm. uh if you talk to the different npcs around the base you get more information yeah and i can't remember if that information came directly from cradle of echoes or if it was like one of those moments where you talk to beta i think when you talk to beta after you get her back like yeah maybe but either way yeah i mean yeah the point is still that these guys are not they're far zenith like the original far zenith mm-hmm. um like the same people that left earth in the 21st century exactly and found a way to prolong their life and also um that 
they we find names like, we find out names there's eric we, yeah names mm-hmm. gerard well, eric, i think yeah and then yeah. tilda mm-hmm. and, and uh verbena 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 um uh, <laughs> and tilda apparently tilda was trying to be kind to beta but uh suddenly stopped or something like that let's talk about that too a little bit because i think that'll turn out to be important in a little bit yeah so beta mentions the only i guess kind uh, and I say kind in quotation marks. I know. Um, Zenith was Tilda. And mm-hmm. um, even then her like behavior is just weird because yeah. um, Beta explains how like Tilda would reach out to her and made like a private data channel and like yep. kind of fashioned it after her house the way it used to be mm-hmm. pre-Pharaoh Plague. And um, she oh, and Beta God. would just like yeah. meet there and talk about things. Mm-hmm. And it was like very chill. And like, I think it was an escape for Beta and she kind of mm-hmm. came to rely on it because unfortunately the rest of her life was kind of like a shit show. It was just like people using mm-hmm. her and like training her and yeah. just taking advantage of her because exactly. of her genetics. And yeah. you know, it's not something that she like volunteered or signed up for willingly. It's like they just- I know, they, they just did it. Own Aloy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but I think Beta really appreciated having Tilda's data channels and escape but then she also explains that like randomly out of nowhere at some point Tilda just like cut her mm-hmm. off and like yeah. just did not speak to her and so obviously that kind of like you know I think affected her because mm-hmm. um it I think Beta and Aloy are kind of like opposites in a um, way in yes sense, I agree like, Beta is very I think practical but sometimes because of that she comes across I think as a little like pessimistic or maybe yeah and not to say that Aloy isn't practical but I think Aloy is just like we're not going to worry about like there's no for her there I think because she has so much to do and she's always going at like a thousand miles per hour (laughs) I don't think she has like a chance to like dwell on like well this could go wrong or that could go wrong for her it's like well anything could go wrong because since the proving her life has just been like even before like literally maybe yeah but like I think before it wasn't as hectic like she was trying and like that was her entire life really like or like the big thing she was doing but post proving it was like you know after the attack and one thing after the the other yeah yeah Yeah, exactly it was just like so much going on and like I think by this point she's just like all right I, I can't like I think she has to kind of like compartmentalize and focus on what she can handle and deal with and then just like not worry about what's not like an immediate problem or what's not going to really help her at the moment. And I think unlike Beta, she, she can't like worry about consequences or like risks or I mean, I mean all of that to like a certain extent because it's mm-hmm. like she's got to take certain gambles and they have to do certain things and somebody oh, has sure. to do it. And so she's going to sure. do So sure. um, I think- yeah it was interesting to kind of see her and beta clash and then you know eventually kind of come together in this really sweet way but i think um, the main clash happens when okay so let's talk about what beta knows beta knows that farzinith has three of the other sub functions i think they have apollo what apollo else? artemis um and um i'm blanking on the third one but the big one is Apollo because no, 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 Eleuthia is, I think, dormant or dormant. just no okay. longer a thing. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, um, I, I'm, I can try to picture like a little hologram that would pop up with like the different sub functions. I know. Uh, 
it's uh, and for some reason I keep being tempted to say Demeter but it's not Demeter it's not Demeter um I know it's Apollo Artemis <laughs> and uh one other subfunction let's just say but here's yeah. the thing she freaks out because they don't have enough they don't have the firepower to take on far zenith without Hephaestus and they mm-hmm. haven't gained Hephaestus yet and that's like a really that that really freaks her out and that moment right sends her to full panic attack kind of thing which is I mean what do you think of that because I feel like it's understandable but I can also see how that can cause Aloy to go like why like why you know let's talk about that a little bit yeah I mean that again I think like you said like that's understandable um it's a little I guess, frustrating Mm -hmm. in the sense, um, I think we as players can kind of understand where Beta is coming from, but kind of like Aloy says too, for a good few sequences when Aloy initially talks to Beta, Beta is very like nervous and kind of pessimistic. But um, I think like looking at it from Beta's point of view, it makes more sense because she took a huge gamble by sending that message Mm -hmm. um, to Gaia. And we find out she's the, you know, one who sent the message and found a way to kind Mm -hmm. of encrypt it and all of that. And she took an even huger gamble by, Mm -hmm. um, you know, escaping the Zeniths. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And she also managed to steal the Gaia kernel that they had. So, um, you know, everything she's been doing is a huge gamble and she's hoping for some kind of payoff. And then she comes out or she learns um, that what she thought is not really true. And Aloy is actually not that mm-hmm. or as close as Beta would like her to be mm-hmm. um, in terms of taking on Farzenith. So like when you yeah. look at it that way, it makes a lot of sense that she's like very yeah. nervous and um because her life is on the line essentially and like there's no way that far and she's like i don't like... i won't go back there that's all she keeps mm-hmm. saying at, at some point yeah right i understand yeah so um yeah. it's it's it makes more sense when you look at it that way but also because mm-hmm. we've played as aloy i think we can kind of understand where aloy is coming from too because i think at one point aloy like even says like um she's really trying her best with beta but she's out there every single day risking her life doing what they need done and um you know she's she's one woman she can only do so much even with her friends they're still a small group and um you know they can only do so much so like you understand I think both sides but yeah um I think you also kind of feel for Veda because I think as kind of nice as her her life Mm -hmm. may have been um like depicted at first we kind of find out that it's not like it's not at all that great like she's not living like the other zeniths who are essentially just like rich people mm-hmm. who just couldn't bear the idea of like losing their wealth in the pharaoh plagues so they just build a ship and like transported yeah. all their riches and stuff and like they just found a way to like you know keep adding to that collection because they found a way to like prolong their life or whatever yeah um, beta is essentially just a tool and you know i think she's kind of looking at it from uh different point of view where it's like she's only like she can only stay alive for as long as she's useful and if she's not useful then she's in trouble and yeah um so I think that's also like part of the reason why her like outburst kind of makes sense because she's risked so much and if the zeniths ever catch hold of her again Mm -hmm. then it's more game over it's game over kind of yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. pretty much oh yeah yeah it's 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 I think it's tough to watch it first because it's like oh beta you don't really need to like Aloy's the last person you need to be like Mm. guarded around but um I mean again beta's been through 
some shit in her time. She's been through her um, own personal hell, I think. That's true. Yeah, so I think, like, I think most people would probably understand, like, especially once you get the whole story with Beta and you do, like, you know, all the cutscenes and you talk to her. Have those conversations. Exactly. Then I think it makes more sense and it it comes across less as, like, Beta being whiny or complaining more like, oh my god, she's, like, just really, really nervous and high-strung for a number of reasons but yes, not the least just like she's risking so much and her oh, life is like sure. on the line so. it is on the line absolutely but now let's talk about uh Aloy's conversation with Gaia uh because she reveals something about acquiring Hephaestus that is very important and risky as hell so let's talk about that uh so there's a couple of things are you referring to omega clearance or that and also <laughs> what has to be done um because uh, because because of the nature of how Hephaestus is spread out it has to be done uh, 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 Gaia mentions that you have to be at two cauldron facilities at once basically it'll right. take hours to even do the transfer or uh whatever this is or or to absorb for guy to be able to absorb Hephaestus and omega clearance as well which leads us to demeter and the quen we'll talk about all of it let's do let's go <laughs> yeah i mean i guess i don't know in my playthrough it kind of flowed together to me at least it made sense no, no, because it makes i did sense. them it's like, okay we're, we're, together, we're, gonna, but, we're talking about um, all of this like you know no i know i'm just saying like for context like for for anybody who did it in a different order this is like we're doing it in this order because that's i think um i think you probably watched it in a different order or the walkthrough that you watched it differently but um i think we just did it in this order because that's just how i did it and that's okay it's fine but let's yeah yeah the the quest line is really interesting because um the, the Forbidden West, like, obviously, when you get into the Forbidden West, you hear about the Tanakh, then, you know, they're a mm-hmm. big part of your journey in the Forbidden West, oh, and yeah. they help Aloy, and sometimes don't help her, but, <laughs> um, like, they're, they were already, I think, like, a known tribe coming into this, but mm-hmm. um, you do get to meet some other or at least one other tribe, which I thought was really cool because like they were just not at all like teased in the promo material, or at least not to my knowledge. Not a lot. Um, but we yeah. get to meet the Quen who were like a more, um, I don't know how to, like, I guess a more, in a way, militaristic tribe. Oh, that's not really the right adjective to describe I them. But I, think, to, like, hmm. I know what you more, mean though. Uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to, to describe them that's not like they're like the Nora but also not territorial I think Mm. territorial might be a better adjective because when Aloy first encounters them she's looking for Demeter of course and like she stumbles into like this almost like an old one ruin it's like you know abandoned building and like immediately there's like 12 warriors who are like all trying to kill her and um it's like she goes through like the different, I guess, regions of the this like outpost essentially, and she's just taking down everybody she sees. <laughs> and it's like there's so many guys and and like so many warriors and like not a single one of them can get her. But um, I don't think that like at this point that's not really surprising. I think we all know that Ayla can can solo like a bandit camp or whatever and come out on top. Oh yeah, so, um, oh it's, she's it's so not too can. surprising to see her take on. Yeah. 
um, all these like warriors and stuff, but we learned that this new tribe is called the Quen and um, mm-hmm. they came from across the sea, which so, is really interesting. Yeah, which is interesting because um, they talk about crossing a big ocean. So I mm-hmm. feel like we might uh, look, uh, we can look into uh, Pacific Islands, I'm guessing. What do you think? I don't know because it's very vague. It's not specified. They're like, we came across right. the ocean. But when you look at their ships, it's literally like, you know, the type of ships that like people would have sailed in like the 1600s and stuff. Like they're built a little bit differently, but it's like, mm. they're, those are not like high tech ships, like no state of the art yeah. navigation system, yeah. satellite, none of that. Like these are yeah. wooden ships with like, you know, I mean, I don't even know if they have like crew that like row their ships or what, but um it's they're they're like primitive ships kind of and so for them to cross the ocean i would be very surprised if they came from like i mean any of the pacific islands which is mm-hmm. still like that they're probably closer um if we're i think they might be closer like, to the west coast but still within the ocean uh like yeah, island i mean nations, i think like so. the closest one so like the closest one that i can think of off the, off the top of my head is like hawaii but that's still like mm. some couple thousand miles off the coast of the east still a distance and when you look still at it quite like, a distance. yeah 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 it's like it's kind of like a like a island chain in like the middle of nowhere and then yeah. even like the other pacific islands they're like tiny specks in like a very vast oh, ocean very so true. like the idea yeah. that like these guys somehow navigated um like from like polynesia or wherever yeah um that's really cool i think but also just like the game is kind of vague about it at least to Mm -hmm. my knowledge i don't recall ever seeing like a like a specific place where these Mm -hmm. guys came from but Mm -hmm. we just know across the sea so i always wonder if it's like is it as far as like you know like oceana or whatever or is right? it something like they came from like Vancouver Island, <laughs> which is like some distance, but it's still like you could probably follow the coastline. Yeah, I'm assuming of like Western Canada and US, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. could still like sail a great distance, but you'd be closer to land. And I don't know, but um, yeah, I would be very curious to know where they came from and how they managed it, and like, how because sure. like it seems to be the first time that any of them have heard of each other and so like the Quen don't know anything about the Nora they don't know anything about like the Karja none of that they've just kind of been isolated in this like little pocket of land Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they've been like kind of I guess minding their own business but only because like nobody's come looking for them or nobody's like found them so far and absolutely um, yeah Mm -hmm. but they're really interesting because I think it like we don't see a ton of characters wearing focuses and the few that we do see has it's been like either Aloy has given them the focus or they're like wackos from the first game who had focuses that Aloy like Olin like and Silence and the Eclipse. Yeah, Olin, I, I don't know that I'd call them a wacko. All of the Eclipse, they're all probably wackos. I don't know. Anyway, but like the Eclipse had focuses and Silence had a focus, and like you know, those are the only types of people that we've really seen have focuses. But when Aloy clears like this Quen outpost, um, she meets Alba, who's like a yeah. diviner for the Quen, and she yes. has a focus. But mm-hmm. unlike Aloy, her focus is an older model and it's very limited in what it can do. Yeah. But also, um, I just found Alba such a fascinating character because one, yeah. she's just like she's very quirky. I, I it's very I, bubbly. I she's like that's you know, the term, like... not quirky, but <laughs> No, um, she no, is she's quirky like a very too. Bubbly personality. She's, she's very quirky sweet, too, but, but also um, bubbly. And, yeah, 
she's like what silence should be like so for her too like gathering data is her job and so like her job is like go through all this old one stuff and to and understand kind of, like, and, yeah all right. those things yeah, yeah like, exactly out what the quen can use because like the quen yeah. are trying to do the same thing like you know fight the blight in their own yeah. lands yes um, yes and for Absolutely. alva it's also kind of personal because her family's not that well off like i think mm. they're farmers or they have land or whatever and so she's trying to do this to support her family too but her whole like job is essentially just to go through data and like extract information that they could find useful but that information doesn't go directly to like the quen public it's like reviewed by like some like board essentially and then they pick and choose what they want to release to the public which is (laughs) kind of sad wouldn't you say yeah it is but it's also kind of like interesting because Aloy has been the complete opposite like she's had no restrictions at all like she just she's found information and like she's been able to just see the whole thing partly because her focus is a newer model at least compared to Alva's Um, and partly because like the Norga were just like no we have nothing to do with old world ruins we're not going to touch them and because Aloy was an outcast she was kind of like in some ways her own devices yeah exactly (laughs) so like for her it's like there's no barriers at all and like there's nobody to tell her like hey this is cool that you found this but yeah like you need to send this information for a review or whatever Mm -hmm. but um the quen i think take the job of a diviner very seriously oh yeah and so like alva Alva takes it very seriously she really does she Um, yeah and so like she's like really like the, that's the other cool thing that even though she's doing this job knowing kind of that this like weird board is then going to like pick and choose and very selectively release information she's still like determined to find out as much as she can just on the off chance that anything she's still very people. upbeat so, about uh, it like you said yeah, yeah. it's really sweet yeah yeah, yeah 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 but I love like being like the whole she she and Aloy team up and and get Demeter ultimately but I just love like that whole sequence because um again I think Aloy's not she's gotten better at working with people but I think it's still kind of like a learning work in progress yeah and I think um Alva is like one of those characters that you can't help but just love because she's 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 like like, you know what let me just help her yeah And she's so excited about data too. And it's like things that like Aloy kind of takes for granted. Like Aloy gives her like her own focus. Yeah. Um, you know, that she that Alva can use and it's it's like the it gives her Aloy updated and, data and it's like right, and the yeah, minute she sees that you're like, oh my so god. <laughs> yeah, it's very sweet. It is very sweet. So yeah, they do manage to get Demeter, and Alva decides to join the team at the base. But let's talk about what Gaia tells them about getting Hephaestus and what that's going to um, cost or what they need to yeah. do, which is a lot. So let's talk about that. Yeah, so I think we, we've mentioned a couple of times like a Omega clearance that they yeah. need. And, yeah. um, uh, and guess who had Omega clearance? <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, but, um, you're gonna rip him a new one. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's go. Oh yeah, let's go. Um, Kaya tells Aloy that unfortunately 
their plan to get Hephaestus mm-hmm. is, is not a little as bit more complicated than they yeah. right yeah Absolutely. it's it's not as straightforward and so um trapping him is one thing because he's like in the cloud almost mm-hmm. and so you know he can just kind of pop in and out of location so he has to be pinned down in a physical location which they've identified as this cauldron Gemini but Gemini has two data cores I think and so yeah. both have to be operated simultaneously yep. um yep. and they need two people to to do that and Mm -hmm. so previously this mission would not have worked if there weren't two people but now that beta has joined the group aloy is like we got it we're covered like yeah it should be oh yeah and so um she goes to to help or not help but more like ask beta before that before that because that's an important moment and we know why but before that let's talk about the whole situation where like this will leave them exposed because that merge will will basically send out a signal so big that it can be tracked quite easily and the merge Mm -hmm. itself will take a very long time Right? right and then for them to even be able to complete this merge they will need omega clearance basically <laughs> and th- these are a lot of ifs and variables here right right so let's talk mm-hmm. about the beta variable first right let's talk <laughs> about that and then we'll talk about the whole omega clearance story because that is we need to rip ted a new one okay and we will oh yeah <laughs> right but I love this scene because, again, Beta goes into a full-fledged panic attack because she's like, oh my god, if we go there and the signal, if, if the Farzinets catch the signal and they come after me, I can't risk that. I can't go back to them. I can't. That's not. It's really. It really bothers her. And Aloy's <laughs> frustrated. She's like, why can't you? Why, why can't you? Or stuff like that. And then Aloy's like, I'm not like you. I, I, I'm just not like you. I can't, I can't bring myself to but hope I think for that. The, the way she words it, though, is she compares them to Elizabeth. And she's like, why can't you do like Elizabeth would do and just yeah. do what needs to be done? Mm-hmm. And I think the really sad part is the way Beta responds, where she's like, don't you think I would have done that if I couldn't? She's like, I've spent, like, mm-hmm. I like because she's reviewed all the footage from Aloy's old focus yeah. and even her new one. And like, so she knows a, a lot about Aloy at this point, or enough at least to kind of say yeah. these things and know for sure. She, and she's like yes. saying that like she has a defect and um, she can't oh my God. what specifically Aloy has that she didn't because they were both so similar like they both grew up at outcast they had no similar yeah um yeah and so that like we get this really sweet moment where Aloy who's kind of not really been focusing or thinking too much on Rost and his sacrifice shows Beta and she's like the difference is I had him and then Beta's kind of like confused but he's like cold and and he's he was so like Distant. Like distant he was gonna yeah. abandon you and Aloy's just like in his own way he did love me and that was he enough did. and like that I don't know it's just it's it's such a like a that scene really got to string. me man because it's I know, like I know I think but here's the thing I think I think she hadn't processed Ross being gone properly well I don't think she had the time yeah like that's I mean, true 
that's part true. Of it is she didn't because, have the time, and the other part because, is I think yeah she didn't want to. That's and another. You can't thing. really blame her because like no, for no. so long he was her whole world in the he sense was. Like, he was the only person who would talk to her, the only person that I guess could, and he was so instrumental in like helping her get mold to her, her exactly her, like all those things. Yeah, and like he set her sure. on this path that you know turns into this crazy journey that she's on now but it's like yeah. so much of what she learned and was and, from him um, yeah 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 so like I feel like it's one of those things where like obviously she cared about him very deeply she and it's always oh hard yes to process, she know, cared about him deeply one. enough to break the break the tribe's law for him like she was like mm-hmm. I don't care I'll be breaking the law but I'm not gonna just let you go like this it's like right yeah so like the thing that she lost him it's just I know I know which yeah. is why I think like it makes sense that she kind of either doesn't want to process it mm-hmm. or can't process it whether it's because you know emotionally she just can't work through it or because yeah just it's plot why she doesn't have the time it's, but, um, i feel like I it's she, both she like you said because yeah yeah i mean rost was like he was firm and and probably tough on her but he, i don't think he was he wasn't without compassion and he obviously cared about Eloy oh, enough he did. to like, raise her and train her and all that and so i like think um, he I did think, love like, her he wanted what was yeah. best for her he was like right. and he comes back in like the end to save her at the proofing even though yeah. that results in his death and all of that but um I think it's just like the way Aloy kind of shows Beta and frames it when she's like yeah I mean he was tough and he was firm and he was all these things that Beta said he is but in his own way he did care for her and, and she also her, says you don't have a defect that's not I on know, you it's so which sweet. is the it's just <laughs> I it's a moment I needed to hear it's a moment and I love it's it also just it's it's so moving too because for yeah. so long beta has been so distant but like during yeah. this conversation they both are kind of sitting and then beta next to each other it's so sweet because it's like it's like it, a bonding it's, it's moment not explicitly stated but yeah, yeah it's like this is kind of beta going on on a limb and like trying this whole trust thing she's gonna trust Aloy and put her yeah. faith in Aloy and she's like yeah. I believe in you but um and she, she agrees to help at Gemini yeah. and um all of that but she does ask Aloy to make a very difficult promise which promise. is that if this, this whole thing goes south and the zenith's don't let her. them take me um yeah yeah she's like she says like she doesn't want to go back and yeah you know she doesn't explicitly state it but the implication is that Aloy is going to um or that she would rather not be a pawn for the zeniths yeah if ever again and Aloy ever again can, yeah exactly yeah. yeah Aloy basically has to kill her before that happens so it's a huge thing um and I don't think I think Aloy promises to do it only because she doesn't expect it to happen yeah um but you know it's 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 a hard promise to make and it I think is whether you, she made it or didn't make it would be difficult either way yeah dude now let's talk about the omega clearance bit because we've sorted out through this bit right but let's talk about the omega clearance bit because like i said we need to rip dead pharaoh a fucking new one okay we yeah. really do let's talk about it because just go for it go for it we need to rip this guy a new one please i still get like so much rage just thinking about his like actions in the first game and his lack of responsibility literally we 
Well, all of that, but it was, I find it just kind of funny too, because when we did the, the first game, when we revisited it and, and, uh, did our kind of like weird discussion type thing recently, (laughs) um, I kept saying that like Ted, like there's no point in him doing what he did because he wasn't going to live, like he wasn't going to be around long (gasps) enough to enjoy his wealth or whatever. (laughs) Turns out (laughs) I was wrong. Um, and I'm really disappointed that I was wrong, but, uh, we're trying to keep this PG-13, but when Ted Farrow's in the picture, we're going to call him names. We are sorry. Go on. I would be very please. surprised if anybody didn't call him names. Mm-hmm. But um, he really is a jerk of a, of a human. Um, and it, it's kind of ridiculous that yeah. he ends up where he ends up compared mm-hmm. to more deserving characters like Elizabeth. So Liz. <laughs> this is a mega clearance thing. It's just like, to me, it's like, how do you, so he, we know a little bit about Omega clearance from the first game, like very little in the sense that when he murdered all the alphas, which, yes. you know, let's he, he murdered it. Let's not call it. <laughs> like it is murder. Else. No, it's, it's literally like murder. murder. Yeah, cold-blooded um, murder. To, he, yeah, yeah, well, he had to program I guess like this new level of clearance or have it built in or whatever yeah. the case is because something had to override alpha clearance. So he yeah. makes this omega clearance or has it made for him, which, and I'm and like, my thing is like, at no point did this come across as like stupid to you or like unethical or like immoral. Like, Again, if you- Liz had been around for this, she would have literally killed him. I'm and I'm putting I, that I mildly. Think maybe she would have killed him there. I, I I would have. I'm and I'm saying this mildly, and I'm putting this mildly. Killing him is not enough. I'm mm-hmm. I'm being very honest here. But okay, <laughs> please continue because there's more to this. There's even more. There is, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, but it ends up being kind of like a funny, if not like really odd quest line. It, it's very I unique. Get, yeah. I think as far as yeah. Like, um the serious quests go but mm-hmm. um yeah so we know from the first game that ted had this omega clearance that overrides alpha clearance and yeah. um in order to get you know this whole plan underway aloy and beta also need omega clearance and so yeah their goal to get to into the cauldron to, to, and yeah um, do all this yeah right so their goal is to kind of go to ted's bunker like his doomsday bunker where he supposedly waited out the end of the feral plague and Whatever. get his omega clearance and then proceed you know business as usual um of course anybody who's played the game knows <laughs> it goes horribly sound oh yeah or maybe not horribly but um horribly for some characters because in order for them to do that, Aloy has to go back to Quen territory or like this Quen outpost territory. essentially that they've because made. Because Alva um, knows about this. Alva knows about yeah. where she can go to get Omega Clearance, mm-hmm. which is a bunker in Thebes, which is somewhere yeah. in the Bay Area, I think. Yeah, I think it's like San Francisco, I guess. Yeah. Because um, it's like when you see the map, it's like in the region, the Golden Gate Bridge ruins mm-hmm. are yeah so um it's it's in san francisco or like somewhere mm-hmm. very close by yeah and um yeah they the they find this bunker or like the queen have already found this bunker in thebes yeah um, but they have no they, idea they how they to open do. it basically right yeah um and we also meet this very interesting character called the co who's <laughs> like the leader of this expedition of quinn um he's a like character group of, but yeah 
he really is um and i think like he says he's like the nephew or like cousin to like the quen emperor so he's like the the highest ranking official i guess leading this quen expedition and so um he's got like a bunch of people working for him but yeah portion of like their expedition he's going to like personally lead a group of people into Thebes and into Ted's bunker yeah so um Aloy Alvar kind of forced to put up with him um and it's really funny too because there's like a bit where um he at one point he like he's he comes across as like very arrogant and cocky like from the he start. is yeah it's like new levels where like one point like kind of randomly he's like spouting his nonsense and you know the usual car like cocky arrogant bullshit and then, to me at least it felt random but he just like all of a sudden popped up and he was like i'm ted pharaoh incarnate and it's like what <laughs> like that's not the that's not a good thing to be sir <laughs> that is not a good thing like, maybe he thought it was a good thing but like not the type of thing that we as players I think would aspire to be like oh no I'm, I would be very surprised if any player was like I wish we could be Ted in the game oh god the only benefit of being Ted in the game maybe would be to see like his point of view as like his entire empire crumbled beneath him but um beyond no. that I don't know even that, I don't it, know if it's worth it that he would have deserved he would have yeah like you know. but I just find it so funny because it's like um there's so many points throughout this game where it's like these people like that the people of Aloy's time have in a way almost like appropriated things from the old ones yeah that like to us are just like random like normal things that nobody really thinks about but like to them it's like a huge deal because like the Quen um they don't know about the Odyssey and the Far Zenith yeah experiment or whatever so like they also worship or mm-hmm. maybe if not worship they kind of like hold some of the um zeniths old in ones high in regard. high regard and yeah. um yeah including like jerks like eric <laughs> which is unfortunate but um i just found it so funny because like the coins leader is called the ceo so <laughs> it's like some weird like bastardization of like ceo right and i'm guessing but they must have just, like picked it up off of like some old one <laughs> plaque or something and they're like yeah. that's the name the CEO that's a cool um, name so like, the CEO yeah yeah and so the CEO is about as arrogant it's probably some CEOs are mm. <laughs> I don't know but um he well, yeah he pops up but like to me I always felt like that was very random again that he just like he I mean him being cocky and like arrogant that was like normal because he doesn't really dial it back from the time you meet him to yeah him. he but, doesn't um he he just like at some point he's just like yeah I'm like I'm Ted Farrah reborn and I think he there's this bit where he tries to make Aloy wear Elizabeth's raiment and at first she's like no I refuse and then I think he like threatens her with Alva and like oh her safety's on you so like if you want her safe or if you don't want my guards to kill her oh, and then Aloy's like fine give me the clothes I'll wear them and then I think after she wears them she has a comment about them being like very itchy or something which is, I don't know, it's oh, a moment of levity in a kind of otherwise heavy scene. But yeah, the big thing from this quest is really, I think, the thing that angers me most, um, which is that I was wrong. And in the last episode or the revisited episode that we did, yeah. it was like, Ted's not going to benefit from any of this. Unfortunately, he can because this jackass, um, at least he I think genetically, he 
Yeah, he found a way to like genetically experiment on himself or something. Mm. And so he found a way to prolong his life. And so he sealed himself in this bunker with like a harem of women and some other people for essential functions. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, What is your problem? He managed to survive. Yeah. But I I think that's what, I mean, there's a number of things that rub me the wrong way, but like the biggest is that Ted Farrow, of all people, survived when Elizabeth Sobek, who is like, the only person seemingly who is like had her head screwed on straight and was trying to do the right thing was like one of the first people to die. And it's like, that's so unfair because Ted did not deserve to live and Liz did not deserve to die. But yeah, we find out that, that Ted um, managed to prolong his life and survived the plague in the thousand years and has made it to Aloy's time. And um, yeah, he's had like a, he attempted to have like a harem of women because I guess his goal was to like just procreate or like make more, kids that is like i I don't know that makes this worse yeah Yeah. but i think the most annoying thing beyond him surviving is that he he, like the way he describes it he's like oh when these people pop out of eleuthia in the future after the you know the plague and everything has been resolved they're gonna need like somebody to shepherd them and guide them and who better than me and so he was talking himself and like building himself as like a godlike figure and it's like you are the last person that should be trusted with like any of these exactly in general (laughs) just like just Anyone who lets lets you near their child is a fucking psychopath. Like, stop. (laughs) Okay? I'm sorry, but no. Just no. Yeah. But that's, like, to me, that's what really makes me mad. Because, again, Liz did not deserve to die. There were better people on Zero Dawn who probably perished who did not deserve to. None of those alphas that he murdered deserve to go out that way. Exactly. yeah whether or not he had beef with them is irrelevant like that that was not the way they should have died and um he he murdered them too so it's like you can't i don't know it's not i I just think it's just very let's talk about your conscience now ted i know (laughs) i mean seriously bro um the co has one he makes one good decision which is that when they find ted he's serious like all right that's a monster we're not going to deal with that and he has um he gives the orders to have ted killed which i think is, it's implied that ted does die because you never see him on screen you just hear him yeah. um because it's implied that he even though he's prolonged his life and he's managed to last until this he's point he's turned time, into some freakish monster like thing or something i would assume so like i I always kind of you don't exactly him see kind him. of like Frankenstein yeah. monster, but yeah, um, yeah, you never see him. And I think mm. it was actually really interesting because I was reading um, an article about that in um, on the internet recently, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. um, the article had like interviewed some of the devs or like you know somebody on the on the okay. uh, staff, and they mentioned that that was intentionally done because anything that they could show us might not be as scary as like what's actually there or like what we could imagine and um, I think they also like part of the reason they didn't do it was because like horror wasn't really gorilla's wheelhouse and like jump scares weren't really their thing Mm -hmm. but the way they they explain like why they didn't show Ted was actually I thought really interesting and it made a lot of sense but like it's I think it's it's more like sinister that way that like you never really know what he looks like and all of that but I think one of like the senior writers or somebody described it as like they kind of envisioned Ted as looking more like 
cancerous than anything, if that makes sense. Um, but either way, I mean, regardless of what he looks like, I think the implication is that he is so far removed from yeah. like, what he was that there's like really no point in him doing anything he did. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the the nice thing about this game is that like as you explore and even like collect things that like collectibles like data points and whatnot they all tie into like the quests in in different ways and especially once you get into Thebes there's so many like different data points and stuff that kind of um shine a light on like what Ted was doing and how he was and you, you like you kind of see these pieces fall into place of like he was you know after the pharaoh plague and zero dawn and everything he was disgraced but like he still built this bunker had this harem had like employed these people and, and he then killed just went, them like, off psycho. whenever they found out about his involvement in mm-hmm. the old world Different or things, something yeah. yeah that was just yeah dude this guy just no yeah just just know, not enough words you know? to describe him but yeah um yeah I was just very I was very disappointed that I was wrong I, <laughs> I, I, under, I, like, I, I will I understand wrong, why but um I was like of all the things like <laughs> I wish it wasn't Ted because my big thing in Zero Dawn like, the only thing that kind of made me happy about Ted was like he must have died like that was my assumption that he died and like perished yeah. with like the rest of you know the old ones in the 21st century yeah. but no this jackass found a way to prolong his life and and live it like that was a thing too that i think is so clever about this game like because when you see the zeniths and you learn who they really are um mm-hmm. i'm i mean I'm, I'm i feel like i'm kind of dumb so i just like if i can think this <laughs> other people must have thought it too but i was yeah, like yeah. if they can survive from the 21st century who's to say others couldn't survive and like we never hear about Ted's death or anything in the first game mm. um so and like you know obviously he like murders all these alphas and he's like I can't let you guys do this and it's like well he's he seems shady enough to have like an ulterior motive and like have another plan so um I was like fully expecting some sort of information on Ted but not necessarily expecting him to come back only because I didn't think the writers would actually write that in but they did so now Ted has been alive for over a thousand years oh god and um I think the the only part that annoyed me was that Aloy herself didn't get to like end him because I feel like she deserves to um for a number of reasons not the least of which you know everything that happened in Aloy's time can be yeah to Ted it's, oh, for but, dude, um, for sure, for sure, for sure. We talked about this. We talked mm-hmm. about this when we were talking about the first game. Everything, the state of Aloy's world as it, it the, as it is in her time, definitely this guy's fault. For sure, this guy's <laughs> fault. Right. But they finally so do I get just, to met. I... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, like I said, I just wish that Aloy had been the one to kill him because of everything that he's put like her through and her entire world through. But regardless of who kills him at this point, uh, Ted is dead. (laughs) It's just what happened in Forbidden West. (laughs) Yeah. And Uh they finally managed to get Omega clearance and hightail it out of there, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's talk about what happens at Cauldron Gemini because heartbreak oh, a lot of crazy stuff <laughs> that's a tough Let's one yeah 
yeah it, it starts is. off i think like the way a lot of their stuff does where it's, it's like things it starts off optimistic yeah, yeah exactly and then it just it goes haywire very quickly and yeah. um unfortunately you know i think in, in getting to gemini they took a gamble which is you know they left the base and they physically yeah. brought gaia and um yes like they 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 brought because they had the to contraption yeah. right yeah and so like the base is exposed but beyond that you know minerva can't really conceal their location anymore yeah and i think the way gaia describes this like anybody who's capable of like looking could potentially notice them yeah. um so it's a chance that they just kind of had to take and so like um, you said they, a gamble like, yeah yeah so that like when they get there they're like they go about their plan setting things into motion but unfortunately they either because they were easily detectable or maybe because they didn't take into account like the level of advancement the far zenith mm-hmm. um people had they're kind of like ambushed by like gerard tilda and eric yes. and um it, you know it goes about as well as you would imagine when one group of people is extremely overpowered compared to the others. Yes. Um, and so poor Veda is unfortunately hauled back Taken. to the Odyssey yeah. or like yeah. back to the Far Zenith base. Yeah. And um, Eric in, in, I guess, quest to piss off Aloy as much as he can. Um, he, he kills Varl. He Defending Aloy, which is just such a sad, sad moment. Cause it's like, oh, he was the most wholesome guy. And of all the he characters, was. I did not want to see him go, but, um, it's, it's also, I think like one of those things where it's like, he unintentionally kind of like lights a fire within Aloy. Like, I don't think oh, he yeah. needed to, but like at that point she's like, oh, she is pissed. <laughs> and you do not want to be do. receiving it. Do. Yes yes um and uh it's just and i think also like ayla's reached a point where she's just like so done with everything like she goes she has uh, i would say she has zero fucks to she has zero fucks left to give at this point kind of yeah because like to her it must also be like what is the point of putting in all this time and effort only for her to like repeatedly lose people like every single time exactly you know like something big goes down like whether it was the proving and she lost rost or like now losing um varl and it's just and like you know even at the proving itself you know beyond just losing ross like vala died bass died like there's just so many people who died at the proving and like Mm. she did her best to save them then but she couldn't save everybody and like even now she couldn't save everybody so like I'm sure like that kind of like survivor's guilt in a way she couldn't keep her, her promise to beta she couldn't and it's yeah, just yeah that too but like also you can't blame her because like how do you take it's not the life her of fault. somebody that you no no like, just met and um it's yeah. I'm not even and saying honestly, it's her fault it's just yeah it's just very yeah. sad it is it is yeah but like I'm just saying like I don't like personally I can't blame her for not taking Veda's life because it's hard like how do you look somebody in the eye and like somebody who's innocent and somebody that you care about in any way shape or form um and then like just take their life because they like begged you to and honestly that's hard that's really hard yeah it is but I think even though like there was so much going on in that moment I think Aloy or I would like to think anyway that she recognized that Beta was probably more used to the Zeniths alive than than dead. So like for yeah. now, for like the the short like the maybe future, even as leverage or something. Yeah, you know, maybe. Yeah. But like that's what I was like trying to say. But like I think for like the foreseeable future, yeah, like, or at least a very short 
period of time, like following this um, kind of tussle at Gemini, um, Beta's safety is kind of guaranteed because the Farzina people need her. So yep. as long as they need her, they're not going to like kill her, but it's yep. still going to be a race against the clock to get Beta out of their clutches. Yep. But um, unfortunately, Aloy herself doesn't really have too much say in that matter because um, even though you know she she does her best to hold off the Zeniths, they're still overpowered. And so um, for the second time, she barely escapes the Zeniths, but surprisingly, but where she escapes too. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, in this fight, I think, like, the way it's, like, presented, it's, like, some sort of energy blast or something mm-hmm. from, like, one of the Zenith shields is supposed to hit her, and, like, I think yeah. she, she, she's kind of, again, like, a little banged up again. I think she's paralyzed ordeal, or something but... for a little bit, because she can't exactly move to do anything for a little bit at that point. Maybe, but I think it's more just that, like you know, it's it's a fight, and like any and fight, she, you know, she gets banged, up, banged and up and that bruised too. and all of that. And yeah, the only reason she escapes is because Tilda just kind of pulls a one eighty and just like yeah. randomly switches sides and yeah. uh, kind of hides Aloy and and brings her away. And so after this whole fight, Aloy wakes up in a strange location, which she later yeah. discovers is Tilda's mansion, um, and the same place that she would have like the secret data channel with. Beta. Beta. And yeah. so um Tilda kind of presents herself as like an ally and she's like, I'm here to help and all that. And Aloy is just like skeptical. Why should I believe anything you say? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean yeah. again, why should she? <laughs> why should but, she? You're uh, absolutely right. Why should she? Tilda surprisingly picked up her broken focus from the Hades Proving Lab, repaired it, and then didn't toss it, but like manually, I guess, read the data or Mm. extracted it and just like maybe absorbed it all at once. I don't know. Mm. But it seems like she went through like memory by memory or whatever and like watched everything that was like recorded on that focus, which is probably a lot. And um, she kind of like presents herself to Eloise like an ally and a friend and also kind of like a mentor because she's like got this plan about how she wants to take down the Zeniths but Eloise, and like, no, how she cared about plan. cared about Elizabeth <laughs> and knew her and all those things yeah, yeah yeah I think that comes in like a later portion like, no, she doesn't one, like, later, mention like, that she doesn't mention but... that just now but she does mention that she cared for Beta because she was a clone of Elizabeth and all those things all, mm-hmm. a little bit of that but yeah go ahead yeah yeah I mean again Aloy doesn't really believe her and of you can't not. blame her but yeah. I love the moment that follows because yeah spends a lot of time just like kind of talking herself up and trying to you know convince Aloy persuade her yeah like she's trying to come across like not a threat but Aloy's like no no no, I'm done um I don't trust you but like we're gonna do this my way and so so she asked her to open up a data channel to beta Mm -hmm. one last time yeah exactly right and yeah. so um there's this, like super moving scene where she whispers something to beta ahead of like this huge plan that they yes. are now setting into motion yes. and when tilda asks like what aloy said aloy is just like that's, that's between, between me and, me my, and sister. my sister and that is and so it's just, I don't cool know. It's, it's a it's moment so simple, but it's a moment yeah especially because i think like maybe some part of aloy liked having a sister which is like somebody who could relate to her unique situation but then and she being found out, nerds, of course, that beta was nerds. Yeah. 
but yeah um, I think at the start like beta was like the complete opposite of her so like at the very beginning they clashed a lot but like over time they kind of became closer yeah and I love how beta's like as long as you know that as long as I know that you're coming for me I can I can deal with this it's okay (laughs) and I love that yeah it's like yeah because it's so sweet it's like they literally just like met very recently but like there's already like that bond and that connection there because they're in a very unique position like there's nobody yeah. else like them who has made yeah. Elizabeth's image mm-hmm. and um you know they've kind of led very similar lifestyles and mm-hmm. um the only difference is like when you kind of break it down it's like beta got more of like the techie yeah stuff in terms of like knowledge so she's like very good with like all that and like you know the the, the tech stuff and like the yeah. stuff and, and whatnot and Aloy mm-hmm. has been more of like I guess like I don't know how to put this without sounding so stupid, but it's like she's been like more physical, if that makes any sense. Broad? Like, a little yeah, bit of broad, kind of, but yeah, she's also it's not like she doesn't have the brain. Emma is smart. She's pretty smart. She's also a nerd, <laughs> but she's I, but 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 Beta has had the advantage of knowing more about old world technology than Aloy does up until this point right. at least because of all the information that she had access to pretty much that's what i'd say at this point right yeah no i think that's right or a fair assessment so let's talk about what happens next because there's still a lot going on um zoe gives us some interesting news um, yeah there's uh, a very let's talk about that too. kind of that yeah. scene slash sequence where when you go back to the base yeah um Aloy meets up with Zoe who has kind of you know uh I don't know how or where they found time but she and Varl have been like an item and they've been like dating yeah but, right like, you know not I guess a conventional relationship in the sense they're in the middle of like a huge fight and so they don't really have time to like go on proper dates yeah. but like Farrell's been trying and you know doing his best and so when you kind of hold like this little funeral for him um Zoe has like a really moving speech and then at the end of it she reveals that she's pregnant with Farrell's kid mm. and so my question after seeing that scene was like why is she going into battle after this right because she joined right? in the final fight but um my guess is I don't know it's it's so weird because like part of me was like Aloy don't let her come because like she's having but it's a also, freaking baby but also like but you need every time, person you can get kind of thing too you know kind of but also more than that it's like obviously Aloy is not the only one grieving Varl and if anybody yeah. wants him like any of the Zenith's dead as much as Aloy it's probably so oh yeah and so um I think I I'm I would like to think anyway that the main reason she lets Zoe continue to like tag along because no I agree yeah, with you. and like Zoe deserves closure and she deserves to have like exact that moment on yeah. Eric and whoever yeah. she wants to and Aloy's yeah. not going to be the one to stop her so yep. it's equal parts like amazing but also frustrating because it's That's I mean, scary it's a huge risk like yeah excuse? And it's like, you don't want this baby to die like just because you could like you got caught in some sort of situation that could have been avoided avoided but yeah again yeah, at yeah. the same time like Varl is dead and I'm sure Zoe wants revenge as much as Aloy and of course. I, I just thought it was like really cool of it it Aloy is didn't say anything <laughs> it is but let's talk about Aloy's plan a little bit right because she's convinced Tilda 
but and it's a clever yeah. one but let's talk about what her plan is at this point because she has to her plan is to get regala's machines to storm mm-hmm. the zenith base right that's her whole plan at this kind point of, like her army so tilda yeah. reveals that there's been like a lot of different kind of pawns in this game so yeah, like we over exactly. the course of the game you learn about like these different factions and stuff so like yes. silence for example created this like eclipse 2.0 cult called the sons of prometheus has he learned uh, nothing through them oh my god yeah clearly uh through them he like reached out to regala and so they kind of exchanged or like they made a deal so silence taught regala how to override machines and like use them for her cause and in return once hikara was eliminated and the tanakh were brought under regala's control she would then turn her attention to the far zenith base and on behalf of silence use the rebels and her army to storm the far zenith base Mm. um Unfortunately for them, neither of them counted on Aloy, who kind of just threw a wrench in their plans. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> she's gotten rid of like Silence's like puppet system yeah. or whatever you want to call it. She's basically she's gotten the rid of, of the sons of Prometheus. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, what do you think you know, now, Silence? Them, <laughs> But yeah, yeah without them it's it's not you know he he has less resources and less ability to kind of yeah keep up his end of the deal and all of that mm-hmm. and um or like less resources too to like make sure regala upholds her end of the deal because like, i'm true? sure regala knew he didn't have um certain things she'd probably double crossing but she never finds out or at least yeah. to my knowledge i don't believe she finds out yeah um but yeah, but let's so, talk about so how she gets like back to, to not, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But there's lots to talk know, I was about. Just say, like, <laughs> there's lots so many to talk things. about. I don't even know that yeah. we're doing this game any justice, but it yeah. is it's it's so much fun to play. Yeah. But um yeah, I think Silence is essentially just gonna use Regala's rebels and her army as like a distraction. Mm-hmm. And he was gonna enter the base from like a different point and then attack the zenith and then he had yeah. the weapon like he was the one that made the weapon that broke their shields and Bro- so exactly with their shields exactly. down they're just regular people yeah and so they'd be much easier targets yep, yep, um, yep but again yep. none of them accounted for aloy and she has been a completely different like she's been like a wild card essentially like they don't really know what she's gonna do and so um it kind of throws a wrench mm. in like their individual plans but like this you know bigger scheme that silence has concocted it's definitely uh out the window so aloy is like all right we're gonna keep his existing plan we're just gonna modify it so it suits my needs and then we're just gonna proceed so um pretty much she decides to uh contact silence Mm -hmm. and she decides like we're gonna have silence do his usual thing like provide us with that you know shield breaking technology and then he's gonna still infiltrate the zenith base but aloy was gonna defeat regala herself and then take her army and use the army as kind of like fodder to like you know breach the zenith uh, and yeah um, yeah yeah. and then you know while all that commotion is going on that kind of frees up aloy and her team in, Mm -hmm. in a sense to go in and, and and do what they need to do and get so it's beta back plan. basically right yeah. but mm-hmm. 
it it works really well and we get I think one of the coolest sequences in my opinion after this yes when they were in Gemini Beta had given Aloy an override ability for a sunwing which up until this point we've never been able to ride but now you have a flying mount and oh my god it is so much fun to use that that is the most exciting thing ever like the mechanics so much fun the mechanics of it especially when you call your sunwing and it basically takes you up in its talons and flips you on its back like that is like the, the coolest animations. thing oh ever oh my god oh my god it's, it's so versatile too which is what i love yeah. like in the sense you can deploy your shield wing and then hop onto your sunwing from yeah. your shield wing yeah. you can be on the ground and then like you said the sun will pick you up and throw you on its back you can yeah. be free falling you can grapple onto the sunwing like it's so yeah. versatile i love it and like, i love awesome. The devs weren't just like you can only mount this thing in one way to only get on it in one way. It really like you can do whatever you want, and then you can you know land off the sunwing too at different points, and um you know do like tall necks or get hard charge collectibles or whatever. So it definitely makes it no need to climb tall necks anymore. Just fly up high and land on back to um. Basically, just you know, fly up high and yeah. land on tall necks. Um, and there's, them there's, up. yeah. Um, there's one tall neck in, I think it's called Steel Sands or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong, but there's one tall neck in the game that you cannot, until you get to Wings of the Ten, like the main mission called Wings of the Ten. Right. You can't do that tall neck because it's okay. just like a tall neck, just like in an open deserty area, just walking mm. in circles and there's nothing to climb, nothing to jump on. So you need the sun so, wing, basically. Yeah, you need the sun wing. Although I've been yeah. told or I've read on the internet that you could use your shield wing to get it, but like that seems very finicky and I, it seems like you need to time a bunch of things and, you know, a whole yeah. series of events needs to happen before that does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how easy that is, but there's a main mission where you have to ride a sunwing and then as part of that mission you like do that tall neck and you pop off the sunwing and it's so much fun but um i think aloy takes a page from rebella's book and kind of makes an entrance when she challenges rebella and let's see what the let's see what the tanakh have to say about this because like she flew on the wings of the ten it's like yeah for them it's it's a a huge deal it's a sight to behold like literally like oh my god so cool and this is when we actually get the one-on-one fight that we've been waiting with uh against regala so let's talk about that too yeah i mean that was a little bit frustrating but also satisfying mm-hmm. um so when you fight her you're in like you know a standard arena and there's like different levels to the fight and all of that but you ultimately do subdue her and when you do you have the option to kill her mm-hmm. or spare her um i spared her in my playthrough and yeah. also i think if you spare her you get one additional person who will accompany you to the zenith base and will then kind which of split is always off and useful. do their thing yep. um mm-hmm. so yeah which is yeah it's a huge asset um which is and you know it's also a shame that mm-hmm. um <laughs> they didn't think of this like sooner but um yeah, they, they uh, like, they have this, um, like, sort of fight in this arena, mm-hmm. and um, obviously, Regal is defeated, and then um, when, if you spare her, which I did, she'll join your, your team and essentially help you, um, mm-hmm. and her whole thing, too, is, like, she has a very interesting outlook, because she's, like, she wants because Aloy defeated her in in 
a battle essentially mm-hmm. in a fair fight she's like all right fine my life is forfeit but you promised yeah. me blood and death so give it to me <laughs> and so I think for Regal it's like this is like a more honorable way to go out because Ayla refuses to kill her mm-hmm. um you know if you make the choice to to spare her but yeah. um it it's just very interesting to talk to Regala once because she goes back to the base with you um, she does. right before the, the final mission. And if yeah. you talk to her, she has a very interesting conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, she ends up helping. And then Silence, of course, has been contacted and persuaded to join. And even he's, I think, um, as impressed as he can muster. <laughs> like, you know, he's not he's not really in touch or in tune with emotions and feelings. Oh, no. So um, it's, you know, it's a miracle anytime he can display like an ounce of emotion. And um, I love that Aloy keeps like commenting on that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you get your group back together in the base, you know, one final time, unfortunately, minus Farrell, but, you know, the rest of your comrades and allies are all there, mm-hmm. along with Silence, Regalda, and Tilda, who, you know, Aloy is um, still not entirely convinced it's going to help. Yeah, um, but they they do storm the zenith compound, um, and we get the re- kind of really cool reveal once they get into like the zenith compound, and we find out specifically what Aloy had asked Beta to do. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a huge gamble, but it pays off and it buys them some time. Yeah, um, and um, it 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 helps them in the short term may create problems in the long term but again Aloy's all about taking gambles I guess and she kind of has to so she has beta in like um inject Hephaestus into yeah the zenith this like, is such a gamble lab. yeah and um with that sort of technology Hephaestus can make as many machines as he wants you know big deadly machines whatever he wants to do yes. what he wants to do it can do them so but the gamble the- is it lets Hephaestus loose again, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But on the bright side, they now have their own personal army of Thunderjaw, Slaughter yeah. Spines, all sorts of machines all that can now cool, fight the Zeniths. Yes. Because the Zeniths have their own army of machines. They have Spectres, yeah. which you fight at a couple of points during yep. the main game. Yep. And um, there's a lot of them. There's a good number and certainly more mm. than, you know, Aloy and her little group can handle. Mm. And um, the gamble of like injecting Hephaestus into the labs, the farthest like, it does pay off. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it does pay off. And beyond that, I just think it's just like a really cool scene. It is. It's like a very brief, like cutscene type thing where you just see like a yep. bunch of different like machines like slaughter spines and thunder jaws like yep. just like tearing into specters and ripping yeah. them apart yes it's so satisfying <laughs> it really is i gotta say definitely because it's like it's such a like you said it's a sight basically you're like oh my god this is actually happening kind of thing but <laughs> after all this Let's talk about what happens when they actually find Beta because they find something more sinister waiting for them. Let's talk about that. Yeah, so unfortunately, it's like it's the final battle and somehow the stakes just managed to crawl higher and higher, which you think would be impossible because it's like this is kind of like, you know, their end game. Like this is everything they've been working towards and leading Mm -hmm. up to and all of that. But um, poor Aloy just can't catch a break. So Mm -hmm. um, Beta his like 
I don't know if she's like discovered or if it's just kind of like something because like they're in Farzian mm-hmm. territory that like they stumble upon. But when they find yeah. Vita, she's in like this big kind of ornate room yes. um, and they get to her after Eric is killed. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just shout out to Zoe for delivering the final blow. That yes. Was awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, and a lot of the other, you know, Zeniths who survived, you know, the Pharaoh plague and who have made it to this spaceship and then now to Earth. Mm-hmm. Um who fight with you know Gerard and Eric and Verbena and all of them um most zeniths have been neutralized and so at this point by the time they find beta they're in this like big room with like mm-hmm. this weird sort of hologram type thing yeah um that is is revealed and so we find out that this is nemesis which is like this entity and um tilda confesses that nemesis is like a living consciousness because yep yep um again rich people apparently have way too much time on their hands right and way too much energy so invest instead of like investing their money in something useful like i don't know saving the world yeah uh, they all found ways to like collectively upload their consciousness into like some sort of thing for lack of mm-hmm. a better term yeah and it, it's like nemesis is essentially like the minds and like I guess creative consciousness of like all these different zenith people and it's essentially just been left to fester for so long and, and let's talk about the implication and- yeah because we know so let's let's talk about the far zeniths for a second because they these idiots have been floating around in space and the any place that they inhabited was blown up by this thing this consciousness yeah. or whatever it was and mm-hmm. if and and basically because these guys were heading to earth this consciousness or thing basically sent the signal that woke hades that caused the entire chain of events that happened in zero dawn so let's talk about all mm-hmm. of that and what it means for them now literally let's talk about that yeah Tilda reveals a lot um yeah none of it good um Mm -hmm. but yeah I mean she explains what nemesis is and I just again I I'm just like did nobody learn from Ted Farrow and his plague like that's you know a a huge mistake right there but essentially the Farzinath people have like repeated that mistake by Mm -hmm. uploading their consciousness into this thing and then making nemesis because like they just left it or I mean I don't even know exactly describes as like being lonely and like all this stuff and it's just like did you guys not learn anything from watching Ted like what what was going on like why but whatever the case like they've created this monster and left it to like fester or whatever now it hates them yeah and it's hellbent it's literally after them yeah yeah like nemesis was what destroyed sirius which is like the planet or colony Mm -hmm. that the zenith people were on and um like you said too nemesis was the one that sent the signal that woke hades with like the hope i guess of like hades being able to destroy earth and like forcing the zeniths to not have a place to go yeah Um, so at this point we realized that like initially the assumption was that the zeniths wanted to resettle on earth and like re-terraform it make it in their image or however they want like to their specifications because their own planet had been destroyed by like some Mm -hmm. sort of like force or whatever but now they learned that like their intention was never to settle on earth because they couldn't go to any known planet where nemesis might find them um because nemesis 
being like their memories or like their consciousness has access to like everything that these guys have access to. Yeah. Um, so like nothing really that any Farzinith person had or knew was like not known by Nemesis supposedly. So um, their goal was just to hit like some random planet um, completely in some faraway galaxy or something yeah yeah and like in a place where nemesis couldn't find them and then re-terraform that so that it was habitable and they could live there then we get to like the weirder part of this whole reveal which is that tilda like you point (laughs) out a a couple of different points during the game that she had and liz had a thing like they dated for a bit um and then tilda describes it i think as like she being more serious and liz being less serious and like less into the relationship after some time i guess so they broke up and and you know never got are you not sure it wasn't you tilda are you not sure it wasn't you i know right um I think anyway. Liz passing really kind of affected Tilda yeah. to the point that now she's like conflating, I guess, her love of Elizabeth with her desire to like get Aloy, which is very, which is very so weird, weird and all sorts of awkward. Yeah, Dude, but, for um, real. Right? Also, can we just talk about timing? Because Tilda has like the worst timing for so many things. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, like at this point, Tilda in a move that I think surprises very few kind of reveals that like mm-hmm. she's not she kind of like we know kind of she's sketchy. becomes the new we know she's sketchy yeah, right? yeah. but like yeah, she turns on Aoi and she's like all right so this is great you're here cool now you're coming with me and her whole reasoning is that she loved Elizabeth she couldn't save Elizabeth so now she's going to take Aloy in her place because Aloy is the best version of Elizabeth and I'm like again timing lady beta is right there she's a human being she has feelings she has feelings Exactly. And like that is such a rude thing to say because again, to anybody has no stop. Yeah. Um, and she's not an inferior copy. And if you feel that way, that's probably because you've conditioned her to think that way and you've probably abused her physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. Whatever. Um, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, but it like that seems all just kind of sad because I think you do get to see like Beta's reaction to that. And I think like that there's like a part of her that's still hesitant to believe Aloy and believe that she doesn't have a defect because she mm. doesn't have the skill that Aloy has with like, you know, fighting or like weaponry mm-hmm. or, you know, any of that. Mm-hmm. She's just very like knowledgeable and very, very smart and, and and all of that. And she's very good with tech and she knows quite a lot just by being exposed to like the Zeniths. Yeah. Guess, chatter, exactly. whatever, maybe they're <laughs> whatever learning. you want to call it. Um, but yeah. But um yeah but like just because she's different doesn't make her inferior or superior or whatever but i like that tilda was just like yeah now's the time i'm gonna put her down and build a lawyer and it's just like lady priorities stop but um just stop again, and you think like, that would why? convince a to even listen to you like really, really? like yeah like, no um and again in, in in a move that surprises nobody tilda's like all right well if you're not coming with me but I'm just gonna take you by force. And so she and Aloy fight, which is, you know, like that's the final boss fight. You have to yep. fight Tilda in a Spectre Prime. In some weird Prime. Spectre Prime kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, kind of like a Voltron get up. Right? But like yeah. not as cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to fight Tilda. Obviously, you win. And when you win, 
you kind of get another reveal, which is that Silence learned all of this information from Hades directly when he was like busy um, extracting information. And so he's kind of been like the person behind the curtain pulling strings because a lot of this was his plan and his only and basically goal his to... only goal was to get away out get out yeah. basically exactly oh yeah so he had known about nemesis he had known about you know all these other things and his goal was to steal the odyssey and apollo and gaia and then like make his own planet um and i think a move that maybe does shock people because it shocked me Sounds right an ounce of emotion <laughs> and um it's a teensy he, little bit <laughs> yeah yeah a really tiny bit but that's also as much as i hate silence it makes her like kind of a sweet scene because like initially when he reveals this aloy is like upset and she asks him like why don't you just stay help me fight that thing and he's like no i'm going and then aloy's just kind of resigned she's like all right fine good riddance whatever Whatever. and there's this really sweet moment where like she regroups with her friends and like they exchange hugs and stuff and everything it's a very sweet moment yeah he's like midway up onto the gangplank to get onto the ship and then he's like looking back at them and he's like all right fine i know <laughs> and, um he he does say that he'll stay and help them because they're gonna need all the help they can get but i just love how Eloy is like all right you displayed an ounce of emotion are you okay <laughs> like that type of thing she calls him out on it but yeah yeah for the present silence is now joining them mm-hmm. um or he's at least refusing to leave or not so much refusing as i guess he's elected to stay he's elected to stay uh, doesn't have plans to leave for the near future but you know and now let's let's look at how the segues into a a cooler sequel for this game right (laughs) because now we know nemesis is the big bad now that's the big bad right right and how what is the plan to fight that what are we going to do because now thankfully beta and aloy have gaia and all the subfunctions except for Hephaestus and hades which is cool yeah well not all of them but most of are a good majority except of the ones for that Hephaestus were, they were and hades receive. they have all of them I don't think they have Aluthia because I think Aluthia is dormant. They don't have Artemis or Apollo or um, whatever. They have Artemis or Apollo. Now, at the end, because they got it from the Zenith base. They got them. But were they properly merged? Did I just miss that? Maybe I did. No, it was there. Um, at the end, you see the screen with all the um, all the subfunctions except for Hephaestus and Hades. Well, yeah, because Hephaestus has been released and Hades yeah. is like deleted. Yeah, Hades pretty much. Back. <laughs> yeah. Um, although I kind of do feel a little bit bad because seeing Travis Tate was like a highlight. He was an experience. <laughs> It's like nice Agreed. to be little like moments where he popped up, but um, okay, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think I'm just confusing things and not remembering. No, but let's talk about how this segues into a good third game, right? Because there's so much to expect from this, and I don't blame Gorilla for this. I blame PlayStation and Sony for making these exclusives because that makes me more mad than anything else, honestly. But. <laughs> Other than that, it would be really cool to see a third game for this because I'd love to spend more time with Aloy. Uh, And I'd like to see how their world deals with finding out about this new threat, especially the Nora. I'd like to find out about their reaction to all of this, to be honest with you. And poor Aloy, she deserves a break. 
She she needs a nap. She totally does. She needs like a 3,000 year nap. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I'd be interested to see too. Mm -hmm. But also, I think that kind of, it looks like they're setting something like that up because the final Mm -hmm. scene in the game is like the different members of Aloy's alliance or like group or whatever riding off to different corners of the world because they're going to need as much help as they can get for Nemesis and everybody's now kind of like undertaking this mission of like going out into the world and informing people warning them yeah Yeah, I would like to to see that but also Mm -hmm. I would like to see Aloy tell Sona about Barl as hard as it's going to be Um, heartbreaking about about Zoe and and her having a baby because Sona's never met so Sona doesn't know she has a granddaughter and I don't know how quickly word travels dude I feel so sad for Sona because she's lost both her kids now like I know I know it's it's so yeah it's, it's so sad because yeah she's usually it's not the parents that are supposed to outlive the kid it's usually the other way around and she lost mm. both of them so young like Varro couldn't have been more than like what 27 28 i'm guessing at like, certainly not over 30 yeah yeah so um it was you know a really moving thing like moving in a sense it was like really sad mm-hmm. when Varl died and and sona didn't like she she wouldn't have known because he was that wasn't miles away perhaps and and yeah she just you know no cell phone so it's like anybody would have called her and told her so mm-hmm. yeah somebody's gonna have to go and tell her and I don't begrudge them that but I think it would also just be very moving to see Aloy do that and I feel like it has the potential to be like a real uh like like a, a real poignant scene that probably makes us exactly. all exactly oh dude for sure for sure and that kid is going to be surrounded by the best people ever. It's going to be so cool. I cannot wait. I I'd love to see that at some point. That'll I can't wait for cool. like Aloy to spoil the kitten. Because she <laughs> says she's not good with kids. But like yeah. the few times you see her interact, it's like, no, lady, you're fine. You're fine. You're, you're, you're good. You know? Oh, such cool things happening in this game, especially the few cutscenes, right? Especially a few with Aaron, where you talk about how Ursa actually escaped with uh, Avad and all those things. <laughs> such cool things right. happening there. Um, and the machines, oh my God, like such crazy machines. I think we can talk about this in more detail in another podcast for sure. But for now, this is where we leave you guys. This has been a little longer than our usual podcast. But if you've stuck with us throughout all of this, thank you. We really, really appreciate you. And we will see you next week with something super exciting, as always. Thank you. Thanks, guys. As always, our lovely theme song is Water Lily by the 126ers. The Nerdy Podcasts podcast is available on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and you can follow us online at nerdy-podcasts.tumblr.com or at nerdypodcasts.wordpress.com.